From old school to new, from analytics to your gut feeling, and from nuance to a blistering hot take, Cleve, Dave, and Matty Ice present to you Political Football. Football is a great thing. It's probably one of the best things given everything that we have going on in our lives. Last week, Dave and I talked about and made fun of the NFL finally doing the right thing and getting rid of what I considered a scourge on the NFL, and that was Urban Meyer. We had a lot of fun at his expense, and we played a 30 for 30 that we're not going to air this time, but we had a lot of fun. And this week, we lost somebody else, but we lost an icon. We lost John Madden, who unexpectedly passed away at the age of 85 the other day. And even as we are we are recording this, the news is still pretty fresh. Uh, depending on how old you are may dictate how you remember John Madden. For those of us Cleve's age, they remember when he was a head coach. They probably remember when he played college ball in the late 1950s. But for most of us, we remember him as the iconic broadcaster starting in the late 70s until about 2009 when he called his last Super Bowl, which I believe was the Steelers and Cardinals Super Bowl. So we went on a pretty good high note. John Madden was a lot of things. He was at one time the youngest head coach in professional sports, I mean professional football. Uh, He was also a preeminent broadcaster for many, many years. I think even still he's the only broadcaster to broadcast the Super Bowl on the big four networks, NBC, ABC, CBS, and Fox. He had a way about him that was different than a lot of people now. I still think he's the precursor to Tony Romo today. Uh, He was genuine and you got what he actually was. If you're really, really young, you remember him only in Madden name only from the Madden football franchise. And that's nothing wrong with that. He created that franchise. The all Madden team was something that happened from, I think, 1984 to 2001. Uh, They don't do it anymore. But if you say the all Madden team, everybody knows what that means. And unfortunately, you know, football is not the same. Broadcasting is not the same. And I guess it depends on, again, how you remember John Madden. But I remember John Madden for being basically the voice of Thanksgiving football for many years, the voice of my youth in terms of video games, in terms of football. And he was the voice of the first time the Patriots won the Super Bowl in 2001 when Tom Brady was not uh, quite Superman. So I'm sure the the fellas, of course, remember him. And uh, we couldn't think of another way to start political football without talking about John Madden. So Cleve, Dave, welcome to the show. And uh, share your thoughts on good old John Madden. Well, I'm uh, thank you. I'm uh, sad, sad that Coach Madden is is gone. 85 is a hell of a run, though. And, you know, unexpectedly at 85, I don't want to speculate, but it sounds to me like maybe the heart just, you know, said enough's enough. And you know what? That might actually be the dream. <laughs> just, you know, you're going along and then you're out at 85. So that's fine. Now, Cleve, can you tell some stories about playing pickup ball with John Madden when you guys were kids? <laughs> that's crazy. So as um, many of you may know or not know, I wasn't born in this country. I was born in South America. And football is not the primary sport there. The actual football is the football that Dave knows in Europe uh, is is when, when we say football. Anytime I say football, when I go back home, he's looking at me like, what are you talking about? That's not football, whatever. <laughs> but I had one uncle that used to... Uh, watch football and introduced me to the NFL and being from the region the Northeast um, I didn't pick the Giants I picked the Jets and the Jets was obviously my my team and I used to remember this big big dude 
calling games and i'm like who this guy is like he's making it very simple to understand a a, um, a child's game that becomes very complicated at some point when the coaching um gets to a certain level but he made the games fun he made you always felt like he was talking to like you in a circle or your friends or whatever and he, he made it fun like you never paid attention to broadcasters i think Kyra cosell was the the guy my dad liked because of the stuff with ali and all of that but madden was like my Kyra cosell basically and two things about madden that i that i was shocked to hear about i thought he was in the, i thought he was in the hall of fame I, I don't i don't know how i missed that that this guy didn't make the hall of fame and he could have made it like like all the talking heads have been saying for three different things. Like he could have been in just for his winning percentage, any coach with just a hundred wins in a, in a 10 year span um, lost 36 games. Like you got guys losing 36 games in a seat in, in two seasons. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking with the preseason, but, <laughs> but you know, in, in all fairness to him, I mean, you know, 70s football which is obviously different from 80s football and, and 2000s and the 90s and all of that good stuff and they're working for Al Davis in which you know that probably was a, a, a thing within itself but you know Madden was Madden like everyone knew I think he he went if he could go anywhere on the planet someone would recognize him he was that kind of iconic figure and you know we all use icon for different people but that dude spanned generations and like you said dave 85 good run um there was a story that i came across that i heard back in the day but i wasn't i wasn't sure that when it happened but it was like a 1979 or 78 preseason game against the patriots and daryl stingley had a brutal this player had a brutal spinal cord injury during the game it's a preseason game like it, it literally you know changed the guy's life madden went to the hospital and and for this guy this guy played for the for the opposite team for the patriots went to the and went off because the coach of the patriots at the time i think it's fairmax he went back with the team and madden stayed at the hospital with him until his family showed up um to make sure that he you know they knew what was going on and, and all of that what coach does that what coach would do that in today's nfl it's, it's just amazing that some of the stories that you hear and some of the things that this person was involved in. And then he was involved in so many iconic games, the sea of hands, the holy roller game, the immaculate <laughs> reception. I mean, it goes on and on and on. And people who question his record, his playoff record, you got to remember, this is 70s football when the, the, the Dolphins were dominant, the Colts were dominant, the Steelers were dominant. Like, you know, like those were the teams that were winning it all. So those Raiders teams was in that, in the fold of all of that. So hats off, man. Rest well. Um, I know you from the game as well. I know you from from just hearing you as a kid broadcasting games. And then, of course, um, just how your players and players of of yesteryear and 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 beyond revere you i mean the name madden is like you can't think nfl football without thinking john madden bro so sad day sad day yeah it's uh it's really sad i uh i had uh just like three three things i wanted to say about john madden here so i so matt and i are the same age we're born in 83 and i learned about john madden for all three reasons he's famous all at the same time because I got the very first game in 1988 and then obviously he was on TV then I'm in kindergarten and my dad used to watch all those old NFL films with uh, Steve Sable with me 
So I knew who he was as a coach from, you know, watching that ancient history of, you know, 15 years earlier at, at the time. Uh, so I learned about like him in all these ways all at once. And truthfully, I never liked him as a broadcaster. I, um, I thought he was just kind of old fashioned and didn't, you know, I never really got what the big deal deal was with him as a broadcaster. I knew people liked him. I just never saw it. But when he retired, there was like a key element of NFL broadcast missing that I didn't, I couldn't put my finger on while he was there. But once he was gone, it's clear it was gone. And I don't think it's ever come back. And this is what I'm noticing is the pattern with him. It's the impression he leaves on what he does. So he wins the Super Bowl for the Raiders in the 70s, which would be akin to winning like a Super Bowl with the Bills in the 2000s. Like you got the Patriots, and you got Roethlisberger, and you got all this other stuff. You, if you pulled it off once, it would have been a miracle. So mm-hmm. it was a huge, it was a huge deal. Uh, the broadcasting obviously was huge. I'm going to get to the game, but one other thing I remember him from is from doing the light beer commercials. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> and he like I never realized that light beer was like feminine was considered like a feminine drink like, I mean, like a, light i mean the word light beer just yeah, sells but, it right but, there but like but it, like like a long island iced tea right like i just never realized it was like considered like that because john Mann is doing the commercials like for me being young i'm just always like yeah men drink light beer so and i know that's what they were going for it's so like he had the ability to do that i mean people can drink whatever they want to drink who cares but that's what the marketing they were going for and he pulled it off as it goes for the video game he was not just a face on the game. When EA approached him about being on the game, he said that the game had to be realistic. It had to be 11 on 11, had yep. to have real blocking, real tackling, real pass routes. And he gave them an old playbook of the Raiders to use as like a basic outline. Set up, yeah. And like that was a difficult thing technically at, at the time to you know, step up from like Tecmo Bowl and Tecmo Super Bowl side scrolling to try to make a real football game but he said if they wanted to use his face and his name they'd have to make a real a real game so while he's probably got no influence on madden 21 his influence on the madden and where that game franchise went from the start is is unbelievable like it's he, probably all he, to him he took no stock in the beginning like I, he just didn't i mean i don't know if he didn't know about it or didn't feel that like it was going to go anywhere but they made good on it because i think a few years ago they gave him like 150 million dollars to uh to use his likeness and his name and to, to keep that going on it there's one you you mentioned something about uh watching films and 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 you know with your dad stuff like that i didn't get to do that with my dad for football but boxing was the sport that we watched together the thing about the thing about madden um and this might illustrate for a lot of listeners who don't know um, that play. It was the the Cowboys playing the Saints, and Larry Allen ran down a Saints linebacker who picked off a Troy, Troy Aikman pass. Uh, if you've never seen this play, I, I implore you to to YouTube it. Um, so Larry Allen was standing at the at, in the in the trenches when it when this happened took the pursuit angle he's 350 pounds or some crazy he's, he's a big guy he runs he runs the uh, linebacker down who was a pretty fast linebacker and everyone's like gawking at the interception and madden just goes did you just see that like and then they roll it back and no one's focusing on the interception they're focusing on how madden is illustrating this guy and this gap in here and the pursuit angle he just made football like really easy to understand for somebody who really didn't watch football 
You know, if you didn't understand lane gaps and, and lane integrity and, and, and route trees and all that, Madden made it because the Telestrator was like his tool. And no other illustrator, I'm sorry, uh, color commentator used the Telestrator to that to that magnitude where you just like, he's drawing on. And then he's being funny with it sometimes. Like, look at the smoke coming off this guy's head and this, that, and the other. So, um, you're right. They never duplicated that with anybody and it probably will never be done again. I mean, the man was one of a one of a kind. Um, I hate to be that guy in this awesome segment that we're doing here, but John Madden actually did make it into the Hall of Fame in 2006. So he wasn't. No, 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 the Hall of Fame. I, no, no. I thought before before oh, I heard. I got yeah, you. yeah. Meaning like he, like he didn't. He had to wait 29 years or something like that. Like yeah. that's what I was. That's what I was referring to. Like I didn't. Gotcha. Know, I'm like I thought he was in already. And it's a lot of guys that sometimes I come across to find out i'm like that guy's not in and then i i remember the hall is only like maybe 300 players yeah out of the thirty thousand guys that have played that shows you how how um legit that 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 fraternity is and i was like wow he's not in i was shocked i mean i knew that he went in in 2000 whatever six or whatever but i was i was shocked that he wasn't in like in the 80s or the 90s or whatever it was yeah, that means he went in after barry sanders that feels like it was a little delayed yeah it does. <laughs> <laughs> well meaning meaning and i'm not to disparage anybody's career but when you look at some guys making it you like you, you kind of question that and you're like wait a minute you know especially like a coach or something like that and then you find out that you know in a 10-year span you know 36 losses that's pretty damn impressive I believe he's the winningest coach in Raiders history. I think that's still yeah, a standing yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. That's but, the, yeah. That's but Dave, you brought up a good point because I actually thought you were going to say that you didn't like him as a broadcaster. But John Madden 100% was the kind of talent that you didn't appreciate until he was gone because there wasn't anything that was like overtly in your face about why he was great. Like we know why mm-hmm. Tony Romo is great, but I think the reason we're able to enjoy Tony Romo is because we have have had John Madden before and that's kind of what the thing that's missing a little bit right is John Madden was cheesy in a lot of ways like the way he called games was old-fashioned but what you didn't realize is how much knowledge he was dropping to you as the viewer in the middle of all that and doing it in a way that wasn't patronizing it didn't make you feel like I remember when Troy Aikman started doing color and basically he started every sentence with, well back when I was winning championships with the Cowboys and we're like nobody fucking cares dude like <laughs> what, what's going on in the game but you never got that feeling with John Madden he was having a good time with it that's why I say it was genuine and you were learning something and if any of the viewers don't know how how educated or knowledgeable in football John Madden was go seek out the video on YouTube of him explaining the 4-6 defense Buddy Ryan's 4-6 defense and it's amazing like he breaks yeah. it down perfectly to understand why it was such a problem back then and then I've left him saying if Steve Grogan's got to deal with this all day and I was like well we obviously know how that went and um, he was also talking about refrigerator Perry on the defense when he he was obviously should <laughs> talk about him on offense during that game but I think it's it's to your point Dave I mean it's sometimes is hard to to really appreciate something until you lose it and we didn't lose him like from life but losing him from broadcasting and there's a huge chasm now like we talked about this last week you don't care who calls the game but yet yeah, you still feel true. like but you still feel like there's something missing or has has been missing since John Madden left the broadcast booth so and that tells yeah. you something when when you leave such an indelible legacy where people say that about you it means that you were doing something special, but you just weren't doing it in a way that people were overtly praising you all the time. I think the thing, I'm sorry, Dave, to cut you. The thing about, I'm glad you brought up Tony Romo. 
the thing about Tony Romo and Madden, the, the for me, is that Tony to me is the guy that tells you the in a movie what's gonna happen next. You're like, come on, man, like let me just watch it unfold, then say something. Like, don't tell me the guy's behind the door. Because Tony's like he's 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 telestrating like he's you know, breaking down the play as, oh, this is a run here. It's going to be in the A-gap. You're like, come on, Tony, let's let it happen. Madden would do the opposite. It would happen and he would explain to you why that play was effective or where they should go back to this play or he'll point out a, um, a coverage that was blown or whatever it is. To me, Tony, Tony in, in all his greatness as far as his calling games, I can't, I can't watch that over time because again, he's ruining the game for me. And that's just speaking for me. That's not speaking for you guys. It's speaking for me. It's like, it's like, shut the fuck up for a second and let this play on, unfold because I get your smart guy, your smart quarterback or whatever it was, but let the play happen and then explain to you, well, where they should have went or why they should have did that or why this was selected in this spot, you know? He's also trying so to I'm, overcompensate for playing for Jason Garrett for 10 years. But go ahead, Dave. <laughs> so I uh, have the opposite take on Tony Romo. I love when he tells us it's going to happen before it happens. Because uh, usually he says why. Like normally he'll be like, oh, you see the slot receiver sh- sh- uh, shift to the right on the second and six here from the unbalanced formation. is going to be rolled to the right. Like he'll say why before it happens as well or immediately after. So I do. I do like that. I can't let this slide, though, as a Detroit Lions fan with any Detroit Lions fans listeners. The issue with John Madden is his undying love for Brett Favre. That is that is the thing that sort of tilted us. So whereas like John Madden is fantastic, it's kind of like the Michael Jordan thing where like Michael Jordan is at least like one of the top seven best basketball players of all time. But as a Pistons fan, I cannot stand him and won't say anything nice about him. I feel the same way about Brett Favre. And so we'll hear John Madden constantly talk good about Favre, even if Favre deserved it, as he's just stomping the Lions year after year after <laughs> year. So for us particularly, that was kind of that was kind of annoying. But if Favre was a lion and he was talking about our guy like that, we would have loved it. So it's a bit unfair to judge him uh, for that. But it is the one thing that always uh, grinded our gears was his undying love of uh, Mr. Favre. By the way, I think every everybody got their guy. Every 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 coach or every broadcaster. I mean, you know, Matt and I used to make fun of Jim Lampley. <laughs> just, I no. mean, he's he's on a guy so hard in a loss. You're like, wow, what fight did you just watch? A little foreshadowing. <laughs> Dave is going to be ferociously jerking somebody off later in the episode. Jim Lampley would do it on television. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so is Cleve, by the way. But uh, that's true. Actually, uh, it's, I, I said it was going to be a circle jerk, so it's going to be a three-way here for the same at half guy. speed, though. At half speed, yeah, that's true. We can't, so, we can't, uh, we can't ruin him for the rest of the postseason. Okay, so I, are we are we uh, ready to move on from John Madden here and be yeah. angry at the Centers for Disease Control or no? One more thing, by the way, I saw yep. a great thing that uh, the there are people that are asking for the Madden cover next year to be. John Madden on the shoulders after winning the Super Bowl with the Raiders. And I think that that's the that right would be thing. Dope. That would be that dope. Would be dope. I would actually buy a physical copy just for that photo. Yeah, so now we can that. awkwardly transition to what the fuck is the CDC doing? Uh, uh, hey, Boomer, we don't want to buy a physical copy. We want to buy the NFT. Whatever. Anyways, <laughs> uh, what is the CDC doing is right. And so this is a, a perfect crossover between political and football because what the CDC has decided is allowing the NFL to just fuck around and they're going to find out um so the cdc has shortened the quarantine time frame from 10 days to five days if you are asymptomatic after testing positive for covid19 and i trust that the cdc made made the decision based on 
scientific data and study. Like, I don't think there's any corruption or anything like that, but it feels like an arbitrary decision. And I just don't feel like the CDC takes into account how, like, this is a crisis and people are on edge and they are a government agency. So communication and messaging are just as important as what they actually do in their function and their communication, their messaging around this is terrible. I am so confused now by what a rapid test actually tests for. I'm not even going to use them because I don't know, like, I thought they tested to see if you were actually infectious to other people. Dr. Fauci sent a Rachel Maddow last night. That's not the case. I have no idea. So like, and I pay close attention to this. So if if I have no idea what these things are for, and then like they're short from 10 days to five days, even if you're unvaccinated, like it sure seems like people are contagious after five days. If they're not like they need to come up with something a bit better than that. Also, the CDC should not be making such a big change. Just announcing a press release. President Biden should be making this announcement with the CDC director jointly. So it really has like the oomph behind it. Yeah, I I see what you're saying as or I see what you did there. It's like it's like each person is deflecting something onto the next person in some kind of weird way. But um, we, we just took tests. My wife and I just took tests and we're waiting on results. And I, I guess it was a PCR test because I thought it was going to I was going to have the results like within, um you know, a, a day or so. But it's like I'll, I'll probably get them either tomorrow or Saturday, hopefully. But it's just. I think for the economy is what's driving this is that they want people back to work faster. People like who are working for the airlines or people who work for grocery stores or mainly the hospitals to say, okay, well, if you feel okay to come in, just come in. But I'm like, it just, it's kind of making the problem worse, but the NFL is taking full liberties at doing this. And it's going to take for somebody like a Cole Beasley, not putting anything on him, but someone who's unvaccinated uh, to get, you know, violently ill or, probably something really tragic to happen before they understand how bad this thing is like it's it's just it's it blows my mind because matt's right the gate money they, they don't want to give up that gate <laughs> that gate's so, holding strong so i just want to be clear that i do not think that they made this decision for any other reason than this is what the data is telling them is okay however it is impossible to refute what you just said about you know, oh, the government's making this decision because they want to get people who work in hotels to have to go back <laughs> to work when they're not, you know, after whatever. Yeah. And like, I don't think that's true. However, they left me with no like really good ammunition to come back with because I'm so confused by all the facts now. I have no idea what to what to say back to that. So like, if that's how somebody feels, I can't really argue with it. So that becomes the overwhelming narrative. That's why the communication, the messaging are now out of uh, out of control. Sorry, Matt. No, I also saw uh, an interview today, I think, or Chrissy did actually, with the head of the CDC. And from what I understood, they knew that people weren't going to quarantine for 10 days. So they tried to make it a number that they felt like people might follow. So five days seems more palatable. And I was like, here's the thing. If the people that aren't going to quarantine aren't going to fucking quarantine, no matter how many days it is. And so if you throw five out there, it's not going to make it any different than it was with 10 and that also doesn't tell me that it's based off of scientific information. What it does tell me is that it's more based in what Cleve is kind of getting to a little bit more like, hey, we know, you know, like, I guess not. I mean, I guess in some way they're trying to give people the benefit of the doubt. But at this point, why are we giving people the benefit of the doubt? We know what they, they are they and aren't want, going to do. 
they don't want like if you're like, like oh jimmy you feel well then you need to come in because we're short we're short at the burger spot or whatever it is we're short. you got to come in here's the thing man with all the home tests the, these rapid tests or whatever they i don't even know there's like 40 fucking tests on the market now like some of them are shit some of them are good uh urgent care that i called a couple days ago wanted 140 bucks for you to take i'm like what you know so i i went to my doctor my doctor gave me you know, gave us the test but here's the thing for all the people that are taking these home tests they don't report that to anybody so where's that data going to say if 40,000 people in, in Alexandria tested positive at, at home over their yesterday, whatever it was, that number is not getting tallied anywhere, is it? Uh, so I'm not a statistician uh, and we might have a statistician on the pod. So maybe I should let him answer. However, mm-hmm. I would imagine that my guess is that they can use like trend data for the results they do have versus how many tests are sold and they can like anticipate out how many of the sold tests are probably positive based on the, like the other positive tests that they're seeing so if like if if 10 percent of tests pcr tests and doctor's offices are coming back positive and they sold 10 million at home tests they can probably assume that 1 million of them are going to be positive right wow. they can because it's big enough numbers to be able yeah. to do that but that is me just sort of guessing at how at how i would do it um i don't know how like actual math people would do it there's also because if you're going to trust the Go ahead, Matt. I was going to say there's there's somewhat I looked at the numbers for Virginia today and there's some different things baked in, not just confirmed cases. But what they try to build in is a level of error that sort of speaks to people who have been around confirmed positives. So I didn't actually get a positive test back because I was in the same boat as Cleve and I just figured I had it. I was quarantining anyway, but had I had I taken a test, I probably would have been positive. Two positive people in the house, and then I'm symptomatic. It would be ridiculously unlikely that I had something else besides COVID. Right. So why even take the chance? However, I would be considered in that category of people that were around confirmed cases and symptomatic, and they build that into the, the number base a little bit. It's in very, very, very fine print, so they give it to you. So I think they are kind of building in some of those things, Cleve, like to dave's point okay we've sold this many tests and here's what the data is sort of trending on they can make assumptions i mean we impute data all the time it's how it works i mean you have to go with non-response bias and things like that so that's how they count for it and i understand that but what but i guess what you guys missed was the the variety of tests and and which ones are are the good ones and which ones are shit you know there, there are literally 40 something tests on the market and a lot of them, a lot of them, if some people have, and I don't know how true this is, so this is not fact, uh, who said, I just poured water on it and it's, it's positive. Like they, they put a fucking drop of water on it or some bullshit. So like they just got had by whoever made a test and sold it to them. So the thing about that rapid test is that, um, as I understand it, is that, that you know, on average, not su- they're not super accurate. You should take, if it comes to positive, take another one to confirm. But yeah. But the point of the testing is not for the individual, the, like the rapid test. Yeah, PCR tests for the individual. Rapid tests are for mass surveillance of the population. If every single person took a shitty rapid test every single day, the results we would get across all 300 million Americans would be actionable and to know like where it, where it's at, where it's going, how it's moving, even if like half the tests are shit, right? Mm-hmm. So rapid tests are for the community, PCR tests for the individual. So yeah, anytime we take one rapid test or whatever, like fucking knows if it comes back positive take another one unless it costs 140 dollars yeah. <laughs> you know they just yeah, they just not just take another one but i do want to get to 
you know, I just want to use, I just, you know, to demonstrate the confusion that we're all sort of feeling around this now, after feeling like we kind of knew what was going on, the NFL has moved into this confusion and has decided to take full advantage to just absolutely screw around with this disease. So they've changed their policy now to where after five days, if you are not symptomatic, you can leave the COVID protocol and rejoin the team. That is true even if you are unvaccinated. The issue is that the player reports the symptoms to the team and the team reports the symptoms to the league. Man. (laughs) Carson Wentz is unvaccinated. He tested positive a few days ago. He's currently in the COVID protocol. Do we think he's going to play on Sunday? I bet he is. Yeah, absolutely he's going to play. He could show up with a live bat in his mouth consuming more COVID from it and he'd still play because he would claim not to have not to have symptoms like this is absolutely unbelievable what they're doing here you cannot you cannot put the responsibility for public health in the hands of people whose multi-million salary jobs are contingent upon winning football games because that is too much money to tempt somebody they will put their livelihood and their money ahead of public health and the, you know at least enough of them will and therefore winning football games becomes more important than controlling the virus which is absolutely not true in any context in any way whatsoever but the nfl knows this and they're doing this on purpose uh because they want they do not want to go in the playoffs have tom brady and patrick Mahomes miss because they get covid yeah the nfl yeah. only cares about one thing it's the shield and the bottom line, and that's all that it is. And Bruce Arians is the physical embodiment of that by saying out loud, we're bringing back Antonio Brown because we need to fucking win. That's basically yeah, what he said. I love that. They don't care. I mean, I'd actually rather them be that overt about it than doing what they're doing here. The NFL is telling us, and they've told us this in many other ways too, in, in not just covid everything that they seem to do that they want to make us believe that they are some pure entity which they're not they're out there to make money and the owners are 100 percent out there to make sure that their asses are covered they took a hit last year and i'm almost positive this is speculative but i'm willing to put i'm willing to die in this hill uh that they went to roger goodell and said we will not do that again and so you will do whatever it takes because we're paying your ass to make sure that these players are out here. Like, players can miss games, but we're not going to miss games 100%. And I don't think it's about public health. I don't think it's about anything other than the NFL continuing uh, the cash cow that it is. And maybe that's cynical, but it's just something that I believe. You're right, because they could have easily just said, hey, um, we're going to go back to, you know, half the stadium being full. They could have easily said that. So Jerry Jones has 100% called roger goodell and said unless i die all the games are going on like there's no fucking yeah. way sorry Dave. yeah no for sure and even, even if jerry jones does die he's like you know bury me at midfield at halftime keep it going go cowboys <laughs> that's right um so this too you know really relates to the political part of political football and how the nfl is choosing to do this you will hear an argument from the right from libertarians that we should privatize everything we should make everything uh, private. Private entities will work in everybody's best interest because it's their own best interest. Because obviously, employers don't want their workers to die because that's bad for them and their bottom line or whatever. But here we are seeing the NFL willing to risk its most valuable asset, the players, in order to continue to make this money. The reason 
that I argue for strong federal government is that if you leave private institutions in control, they will only work in their own best interests. If the federal government could issue guidance to the sports leagues and say, hey, this is your protocol. This is what you have to do. 10 days after a positive test, if they're unvaccinated, they must test negative twice in a row before they come back, right? And that's that? Well, then that's that. And there's nothing that the league the league could could do about it. Instead, the NFL is running around here and just allowing, you know, they're just going to let their players get sick, and the, which means that it's going to spread within the communities as well. So, you know, whether it's COVID-19, uh, the right for me and Cleve to vote, like if the federal government does not enforce it, private entities will move against it if it's not in their best interest. The NFL is literally making their community sick to make money because they exist to make money. Yeah, but see again, the other side of that coin is that the the NFL <clears throat> is in each of these big markets and even some of the small markets, they supply so many they I'm sorry, they they um they have so many jobs at these stadiums, at these, you know, the the mass transit cuz like MetLife Stadium uh, you can actually back in the day you could only drive there, but then uh, about 15 years ago they had a metro line put into the put into the Meadowlands to get people in there. So those train workers, those people, like everyone is affected by these games have to go on. You know, from the security companies that do security at these places, the parking attendants, the concession people who has a st- who have a stand in the stadium that has to pay rent to the stadium to operate their Shake Shack or whatever the fuck's going on. All of that is affected because it's it's it trickles down to local economy, state economy and, you know, whatever they kick in taxes because they're probably not kicking up a lot of taxes. Right. These so teams. so but here's here's the problem. The. NFL is going to contribute to community spread of the disease. Oh yeah, no, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not arguing that. You're you're 100 percent right. right on that. But so, I'm trying to explain why they, I think that they feel like the government can't tell them because they can fire back and says, "Hey, we supply a lot of jobs here. We do a lot of you know a lot of shit here for a lot of people. So yeah, let us operate and then we'll deal with it." But I'm, I'm not I'm, I'm not arguing you what what you said. You're 100 percent right. right. Right, but here but here's here's my point. The owners. In the NFL are all white, right? The commissioner is white. Like pretty much everybody in position of power is white by and large, with a few with a few exceptions. The players are 70% black, five times the population in general. Uh, I don't know if you've ever taken a glance at who works at concession stands and all these places and at, and at Metro and whatnot, but it's not it's not Chad. You know what I mean? Like it's all minority people. So we have these rich white people willing to infect their black players to then return to their black communities in order to make money. The reason that the federal government needs to be able to step in in the situation is not because they don't like jobs. It's not because they don't like football. It's not because they even have a judgment. It's that just through the way that our society is structured and who has money now, who's in charge now, the NFL is incentivized to harm black people to make white people money. That's I mean, just the way that it's currently structured. They they, they have, just can't have that. the with the political action committees. They have. Um, I mean, we looked at when Trump was in office, how many owners gave money to to the campaign. So it's almost the same thing. Like even on a local level, if it, if it's a mayor of a town that has a stadium in it, or you know the governor of a state that you know that that's it's a big time market. Um, yeah, I'm not arguing what you're saying at all. I'm not. I'm. I'm. I'm just trying to validate for myself why they think this is okay. 
You know, why they think, you know, for to Matt's point last year, they took a hit and they, they probably someone got on the phone and probably said, hey, or a couple of guys is like, hey, not again. I lost fucking I lost a billion last year. Are you kidding me? I had to make this up. Why do players who are drafted have to sign with the team that drafts them? Have you said that you have to sign with the team? Yeah, generally. I mean, unless you're Eli Manning or John Elway, but generally, if you get drafted, your rights go to that team that drafted. Yeah, you. yeah. Is, oh, what why allows is, that to be the case? Why can't why can't a 21 year old human sign with anything they want to sign with? It's a job. Then it wouldn't be. Then the draft would be non purposeful. Like there would not be a reason to have a draft. Right, but like you know. Marriott can't just own my rights and tell me I can't go to Hyatt. Why is it that a player can get drafted? They they, they kind of can if they, if they have a non-compete to say, hey, Dave, you quit this job or you're fired. I have, you have, to, sign, year. I have to sign that after being hired. We're talking about drafting before they even sign, before they in the NFL. What gives the NFL the right to do this, which is otherwise illegal? Is it, I, I is mean, it collectively that, bargained? That question. It's an antitrust exemption from Congress. That's why when they that's why when they fuck up, they have to go testify to Congress. That's why all the steroid mm. baseball people have to go testify to Congress. They have exemptions in the law to operate how they operate, which means that they are subject to congressional oversight, which means that Congress could, if they wanted to, probably try to do something in this case. At the very least, the NFL can only exist in the way that it does because of exemptions to antitrust laws given to it by the federal government. So the idea that the government should be able to have some oversight over it, I don't think is that ridiculous. They only exist the way they do and make the money they do because they're exempt from these labor laws. Look at how much money is made on, on the day of the Super Bowl. I mean, they even have it down to how much how much workable hours are lost on that day. If, if it's not a, you know, if it's not a weekend, it's because people work seven days sometimes. So the fact that that's happening without without um, the stadiums being, you know, everyone has to be at stadium that we're at home watching. We bought a ton of wings or whatever. All of those economies are affected by this league having that because the NHL championship, we don't get that kind of attention on, on that. We don't get that kind of attention really on basketball. Super Bowl is like the it's almost like a holiday in this country. It's almost a holiday in this country, Super Bowl Sunday. So you think that they're going to let this this go down? They're going to ride this all the way to the Super Bowl if, if they got to hobble out two quarterbacks who are coughing at the line of scrimmage. Oh, oh, I, I agree. I agree that's what they're going to do. I'm just simply saying why it is incredibly immoral. No, that, and I, why, I didn't know that. That's a, that, I didn't know that. I mean, you really set some light on why that that is. Yeah, and like, they sense. need to, like, somebody should be able to step in when a private entity is literally doing harm to communities in an effort to make money. Like if the NFL were just polluting lakes and rivers with nuclear waste, like that's against the law. Somebody would stop them. We wouldn't be like, oh, you can just pollute as much as you want. Right. So how can the NFL have a policy that is just pretty much designed to spread COVID amongst its ranks and its communities? I mean, nobody will step in to stop it. Go into any go into anyone of these owners' offices. I guarantee you'll see a picture with one president or governor or whoever. They're going to be in the picture with this guy hugged up, and they're good buddies. That's actually going to be my point: is that a lot of if <laughs> a lot of these owners are probably lining the pockets of a lot of these senators and congressmen and women and stuff like that. And so it, it's a shitty, shitty paradigm that we have set up. But ultimately, the NFL will make it happen because even if they they spread in the community the way that the nfl sees it is if a season ticket holder dies somebody else will take their place and that's yeah. really all that they care about and i'm not saying it's right i'm just trying to be 100 you know 
transparent here and let's be transparent and get right to these games because uh why not awkwardly transition to uh, the thursday night game last week all right so let's transition from the disease that's COVID 19 to the disease that's jimmy garoppolo we got the 49ers 17 and the titans 20 uh so this game was actually going on live last week while we were recording yes. that and uh uh people who listened last week might realize that I was kind of mad about Jimmy G then. Well, didn't it get any better? And the Titans hung on to to win this game. Terrible pick from Jimmy G and an awful miss on fourth and a fourth and six. Now, Jimmy Garoppolo did hurt his thumb and his elbow in the first yeah. half. Yeah, and they probably should have taken him out. Like I think that some of those bad throws were a result of that. And they earlier this week, Kyle Shanahan's Trey Lance might play this week, but now they're saying Jimmy G might play against Houston. Like he might be back for it. I. I don't understand it. This is like, um, you guys, you guys seen the Matrix, the very first Matrix, the original. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, do you remember when Morpheus first takes Neo in the Matrix and they're doing the jump program and like Morpheus jumps across the building and the people on the ship are watching Neo and they're like, "What if he makes the jump?" And they're like, "Nobody makes the jump the first time." And he goes, "What if he does?" That's what Trey Lance is here for the 49ers. like. <laughs> He's probably not going to make the jump the first time. He's probably going to fall down and go into the pavement like Neo. But what if he does? Because Jimmy G can't. Jimmy G will not make this jump. Like, you put Trey Lance in this game against Houston. Let him go nuts. You're probably going to win. And see see what you got there. See if you can have a whole new shift going into the, the postseason. Because I don't think anybody's afraid of the four. None of the good teams are afraid of the 49ers with Jimmy G. I don't think, Um, I mean... To put this probably in, in, in a business perspective, I think that they they know that they're not going to retain Jimmy G and they don't want to get this kid hurt and give him a fresh slate next year. Right. I mean, they, you know, we Cause, said cause earlier are they, that because are they are they going to the playoffs? Yes, they're pretty much a lock. They're pretty so much a lock. I, I think if they lose the next two games, they're in trouble. But they have Houston next, so they should they should be, able to be it could, Houston. It could be a tra- it could be a trap game. It could be a trap game, especially if Jimmy G's his thumb is not because they've been reporting all week his thumb is fucked up, whatever. So, it, I mean they, uh, I mean they could <laughs> a coach could get fired for doing this, like you said. Like if you got your future on the bench, you're like you know what? Let me save my job and the job of all my assistant coaches by bringing this kid in versus. Hitching my wagon to this guy, and I know he's gonna he's gonna fuck it up, you know. Okay, counter argument. A lot of people point to Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers as reason to like let them sit for a while. But Aaron Rodgers sitting behind Brett Favre, who was pretty yeah. good, as John Madden pointed out. And the year that Mahomes sat behind Alex Smith, Alex Smith was, Smith was pretty, yeah, yeah, he yeah. was good. very very good that year. Jimmy G is not that. Like, <laughs> do you, Cleve? Do you honestly believe the 49ers could win a Super Bowl this year? With oh Jimmy no. We, we we saw that movie already. It did not end well. Do we know if the 49ers could win with Trey Lance or not? No. I think that they could. Right. We have no idea because we, no. we haven't seen them. But we know they can't with Jimmy G. So what are we doing? Like, this is it. <laughs> yeah, we've this seen this it. movie already. We've seen right. this like, movie it's, already. It's, it's, time, it's, time, it's time for Trey Lance to make the jump and follow Morpheus. And if he makes it, you know, we'll, we'll see here. It also Maybe Jimmy G's when, his, when he had the porn star girlfriend, she hooked up everybody and he's got film. He's got tape. Yeah, Shanahan. <laughs> It would be one thing if they were in contention for the number one seed and you keep rolling with what's rolling. But at eight and seven, you're going to be a wild card team. You have no chance of winning the division. Just throw out Trey Lance. See what he does. As Cleve would say, do it in the playoffs. So we got to see it, right? If they're going to make the playoffs and he's going to make the jump, 
put him in there. There's nothing that says that he's going to like flame and burn out like Zach Wilson or something like that. And I think oh, you just, man. sorry, I think you just have to put him <laughs> out there and see. But Dave, um, you had a little bit of a stake in a familial dispute that we were having last week, myself and my wife, and that would be the fantasy playoff. So this game is the embodiment of how people don't know what they're doing. Because in this game, I started two players, Debo Samuel and A.J. Brown, both of which I picked up on the waiver wire because somebody <laughs> dropped them. They combined for 70 points in this game. And that was fantastic because George Kittle had four. So this is just a, a wonderful, wonderful game for me personally, because out, coming out of Thursday, I had almost 80 points already. So I was very, very happy. And just to update you, Dave, I won 238 to 188. It wasn't close. Whew. Yeah, yeah, I uh, I was kind of putting it together as we were going through Sunday here, which is why I was not going to bring it up because I was definitely rooting for uh, Mrs. Ice. Um, uh, AJ Brown, you did you did mention AJ Brown here? Correct. Eleven catches, one hundred forty five yards, and a touchdown in his what first game back, second game back, first game, first game back, and uh, Ryan Tannehill ferociously jerked him off after the game. <laughs> Happy to have I you mean, back. I, I, yeah, as as he should. I mean, if you're throwing if you're throwing to Chester Rogers and Nick Westbrook and Kena, yeah, I'd <laughs> I'd be giving all AJ the two hander as well. Now, uh, the Titans, believe it or not, because of some other stuff that happened, they are actually still alive for the number one seed. They it's are. a long shot, but they could do it, and they are probably getting Derrick Henry back for the playoffs. So, especially for the number one seed, because they'll get the bye. So, there's a chance we get a fresh Derrick Henry at home field advantage for Tennessee. It's a long shot, but it but it could happen. Why do you guys always think that when when a guy comes back, um, unless he's a genetic freak, that they're gonna have the type of impact? Is it is it more like is it more their presence in the game that people are like, you know, this guy could go off, or you know, he's what has he been uh, seven eight weeks to it's, say he's in football? He has football speed at this point, Dave. I mean, uh, Cleve, the guys that Dave just named, do you think that they're real people? I would assume so, Dwayne, he rattled them off. I would assume they're real fucking guys. But you had to ask yourself that question, which means that's the impact that he's going to have because you're not sure the people <laughs> that Ryan Tannehill is throwing to are real NFL players, and we know how good he is. I think that's the impact yeah. that he's having. He can actually Cleave. receive the football. Cleve, <laughs> name a current running back on the Tennessee Titans who is not Derrick Henry. Three of them carried the ball in this game. You would have to give me three names, and I would have to guess – it might as well be the three of us. That's why Derrick Henry is going to have an impact when he comes back. One, he is a genetic freak. Two, not all injuries are the same. Now, I'm willing to admit that I don't know enough about this toe injury, and I know that like with the way it, it impacts his ability to cut. So if he's if it's still painful, it could be an issue. Mm -hmm. But Aaron Rodgers is playing and throwing off a bad toe right now, so I assume that Derrick Henry. Not, yeah, it's not his toe. It's, it's this. It's this. The, where the pinky, like it's the um the pinky toe and the side of his foot that uh, the, the outside of his foot. I would take Derrick Henry with no feet. <laughs> over these dust balls they've got going right now. So from Tennessee's point of view, they've managed to win a couple games without him. So if they're able to get him back with home field advantage, they are stronger, even if he's not 100%. No, he's 70% Derrick Henry, well, yeah, 100% Dante Foreman. Well, that was my point, is basically if 
if if they just put in a couple of goal line packages for him or 20, you know, they're 20 yards out, he can, you know, say he has to run the whole field and all that bullshit. But like you said, to, well, to Matt's point, if they're throwing to nobodies, then we got to juice up our guys, you know, and maybe just having him on the field is a, it's a difference maker because the guys get pumped that, hey, Derek's back, we're going to play. You know, sometimes they try to play around that's hurt. In, in 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 any sport, just for the fact that they're out there, and you know, you know, the guys are kind of like, like rallying around it. I don't know. So that's, help, why I, that's why I asked that. So help me God, if it's an AFC Championship game, Colts at Titans. So help me God. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you dream, asked for it. <laughs> the dream is alive. We'll get to some of these numbers here in a, in a little bit. The uh, the next game here, we've got the Browns twenty two at the Packers twenty four, and the first note I wrote, which is fuck Green Bay. I hate Green Bay so much. I, I cannot stand this organization, this quarterback. I don't like their fans. I don't have a problem with the state of Wisconsin, actually. They seem fine. But I don't it's like Wisconsin. It's title town, bro. It's title I just, town. I can't. I can't. They won this game by two points. They probably should have lost anyways. And Baker threw four picks. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, when, when, when I saw the stat line, I... I pretty much knew that the two of you guys were like, he's hurting his money so bad. Like he, they're going to pay him a bag of peanuts and some raisinets when this is all said and done. Yeah. But the thing about it though, is four picks and they lost by two, which tells you that they have a lot of talent elsewhere. And had he played just marginally better, they would have won the game. Nick Chubb was fantastic in this game. Yeah. Nick Chubb, Nick Chubb was great. The defense played very well. I mean, Devontae Adams went 10 for 114 and 2, but he is legit unguardable. So, you know, we'll just, <laughs> um, Devontae Adams, or as I like to call him, Black Cooper Cup, um, you know, he's just un- unable to be stopped here. But yeah, the, the Browns probably should have won, should have won this game, and they didn't. And as a result, Green Bay does not have the number one seed locked up, but it's close. It's, it's real close. Well, and their last game is against the Lions. I think they only need one more win to lock it up. I think that's how I worked it out. And with the last game being against the Lions, trap game. Yeah, Dave, would <laughs> you game. would you jerk off if uh, the Lions cost the Packers home field advantage? Yes, he would. Yes, he would. Uh, I'm gonna have to go with no. Uh, and the reason <laughs> and the reason for that oh, is that one pick <laughs> is that this isn't this isn't college football where like yeah where you can ruin somebody's season because Tim Biakabatuka goes for three hundred yards uh, against Ohio State like Green Bay will still go to the playoffs they'll just host a couple games then go on the road to Dallas or whatever and smoke them too and probably still win the Super Bowl now and then now the Lions are picking fourth and we take uh. Uh, Derek Stingley, actually, Daryl Stingley's grandson, Cleve, really a top high pick this year. Yeah. Wow. Look at that. Yeah. Yep. Good. Uh, that. So, yeah. So I don't have much else on this game. You guys, anything else? No. Ew. God, I hate Green Bay. Uh, the next game here, we've got Matt's favorite team, the Indianapolis Colts 22 at the Cardinals 16. First note I had in this game was that Jonathan Taylor, 27 carries for 108 yards. He actually struggled in this game without his offensive line. He had he, he was the only guy of note on the on the offense. Well, <laughs> Michael Pittman had eight catches for 82 yards. He's still so, in the league. Michael Pittman, it's the son. Oh, the it's son. son. It's oh. Michael Pittman Jr. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, Michael Pittman Sr. is a running back on those Bucks team with Warren Sapp. Uh yeah, no, this is the son. Uh, yes, oh, and so he he had eight for eighty two, but you know Jonathan Taylor he had one good run of forty three yards. He averaged like two and a half yards per carry after that. Without a, without his offensive line, he really struggled against a good defense. The thing though here we mentioned when the when the Cardinals lost to the Lions, 
that Kyler had like four carries for three yards and they didn't use them. In this game, Kyler's 27 of 43 for 245 yards, one touchdown and no interceptions, which is good. He also has four carries for 71 yards. Here's the thing. If he's got four carries for 71 yards, maybe run him a little bit more, maybe in the red zone. I mean, am I am I insane? No. No, I think what's happening is it's like the Scooby-Doo shit where they're pulling off the mask of uh, Cliff Kingsbury and it's like the field goal kicker. Yeah, Cliff King, sorry. He's going he's going back to his old ways, but um I just want to point out too the Jonathan Taylor thing. Those stats were basically identical to his stats before that big run last week against the Patriots. So if you take that run out of the last two weeks, he's actually struggled to get the same kind of production two weeks in a row now. Because I think he had like 28 carries for 108 yards before that 70-yard run. So that 70-yard run padded the stats a little bit last week. Is that that like his carry total? Like around, like that's what he normally would get in the game? I mean, if he had 28 carries based off his work, based off of his yards per carry, like throughout the rest of the season, like a season average, he should have a lot more yards than that. He'd have like 180. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, he ran yeah, he's for the what? number one. 200 and over against the Bills, and he had like some 28 carries yeah. or something like that. So he's capable yeah, of a lot better. Lot. Yeah, he's capable and of a lot better. He's the number one running back in fantasy this year by far. Like yes. Austin Eckler's second, and he's like 40 points behind or something like that. It's yeah. not It's not even close. Uh, the Cardinals, though, are have clinched a playoff spot. So they're going, and they are backing in. I mean, the truck is beeping there in full reverse going into the playoffs. DeAndre Hopkins is out until uh, the, the NFC title game or something like that. Like yeah. he's, he's really hurt. I just, you know, honestly, I kind of wish we could just take out the Cardinals and put in the Vikings at this point. Mm, wow. You'd, you'd rather see Mike Zimmer not throw a Justin Jefferson in the playoffs. <sighs> Jesus. Don't watch Cliff Kingsbury, not run Kyler Murray. I mean, potato <laughs> potato, right? That's true. Is uh, is this Dan hurting? Will spelled it different. Is this hurting Cliff Kingsbury's coach of the year candidacy? Oh yeah, he, yeah, he's got to be toast, right? I would think so. And you know, you know who's gonna, you know who's gonna get it? Brian Flores, Mike McCarthy. Oh God, we'll get to that because Jared made that call. We'll get, we'll, yeah, we'll get right. We'll we'll get to that a little later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, not Dan Campbell. Uh, so, oh God, but yeah, yeah, so Colts 22, Cardinals 16. The Colts actually are not a lack for the playoffs yet, but not they're yet. at like 97%. They're so make it. we can go ahead and start assuming that they're, that they're there. They would need to lose out and have a whole bunch of weirdness happen for them not to, not to make it. So we got the Colts and the Titans are in, Matt. Two AFC South teams are in, which means your dream is alive. Yeah, the dream is so alive. And and that, that, that'll be our next live stream. I could sit there and uh, fret because an <laughs> oh, AFC South, if that happens, that means an AFC South team is guaranteed to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. And I hate that. Yes, that has to happen. And you need to have a Cheeto stash as you're doing that. Yeah. <laughs> The next game here, uh, with your guys' permission, we'll go through this one pretty quick. We had the Lions 16 at the Falcons 20. The Lions were driving to win the game, and the last play of the game, Tim Boyle threw an interception in the end zone. Who cares? Lions lost. That's good. Get a good traffic. Who is Tim Boyle? Doesn't matter. Get my door dash next week, I'm sure. Literally, no one cares about this game at all. Literally nobody. Do you guys have anything to say about this game? No, I, I, um, I obviously... This bet is this bet has been put to bed a long time ago. So, I really was rooting for you guys to get that. So now I really want you guys to get the the high pick because you're gonna need it. By the way, yes. Cleve, Clemson got their tenth win last night, so uh, you got buried on that one. <laughs> and uh, by, yeah. but by the way, Dave, Avalanche. I'm on I'm on Ross St. Brown, nice little receiver. 
Yeah, so Amon Ross St. Brown was a five-star receiver coming out of high school, uh, the youngest of the three St. Brown brothers. He was a Notre Dame versus USC battle, and he chose USC. This is one of my favorite recruiting battles, by the way, because I hate Notre Dame and don't care about USC one way or another. So really seeing it get stuck to Notre Dame is always is always nice. And at USC, there were four good wide receivers. Michael Pittman Jr., who we just mentioned, plays for the Colts, the son Cleve, not the dad. Amon Ross St. Brown. Tyler Vaughns, who I think went undrafted last year, or he maybe he was still in school this year. doesn't matter. And then Drake London, who is going to be coming out of school this year and would have won the Bolitnikoff Award if he didn't break his ankle in week nine. He still leads the nation in contested catches, and he's been out since like game number eight. So Drake London is coming along, and he's the best out of all of them. So we've seen what Pittman can do. We've seen what Amon Ross St. Brown can do. And the best of the three is coming to the league this year. So Cleve, for your Jets and your 47 first-round picks, you might want to target Drake London. By the way, Drake <laughs> London sounds like a Tom Clancy character. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say, just put a commander in front of that. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Well, we can't all be named Amon Ross St. Brown. <laughs> you know, Man. You yeah, you never find his cup at the mall, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Maybe in Egypt. Um, <laughs> The next game here, we've got the Rams 30, the Vikings 23. Cleve, Cam Akers is not back yet. Daryl Henderson got hurt on the first play of this game. Which, which running back led the Rams with 27 carries for 131 yards and a touchdown? And so it wasn't, you said the Rams? The Rams. Former first round pick. I have no idea. Sony Michelle. That's right. Super, really? Super Bowl champion, yeah. by the way, with the New England yes. Patriots against the Los Angeles Rams. Yep. So Sony, so Sony Michelle, 27 carries, 130 yards and a touchdown. You know, I'm starting to get the feeling that it really doesn't matter who runs the ball for Sean McVay. Nope. It's kind of like Kyle Shanahan. He could also go get a guy off Tinder and throw him back there, get hundred yards. I mean, it's, it's pretty ridiculous. Uh, Cooper cup had, did it feel like a bad game for you guys? Like, like they feel like Cooper cup wasn't really involved. He wasn't doing as much as normal in this game. I felt, I felt like that. Yeah. yeah, he had 10 catches, 10 catches for 109 yards. Yeah, he's, I mean, <laughs> the guy's a great receiver. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 10 catches, 109, and we're like, yeah, kind of a down day. Didn't really uh, didn't really impact the game at all. Um, the Vikings are narrowly going to miss the playoffs, and this is because they didn't throw it to Jefferson for like three straight weeks to start the season, games they could have won, and hopefully their next coach throws to Jefferson all season long. You, mm. you guys so remember? You Zimmer, Zimmer's in a hot seat? Yeah, Zimmer's gone. He's got to be on the hot seat. He's got to be gone. He's been there for a long time and produced basically nothing. Mm. Sorry, he's produced nothing. He missed the playoffs in the NFC North with Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson. Cleveland, the Eagles are currently in the playoffs. That's yeah. right. And he has Delvin Cook and Justin Jefferson. Yeah, he is yeah. not going to make it. It's a, justifi- it's a justifiable firing. Yeah. They it's have over there. This, he's, he's not a bad coach, but it's over for him there. They have the same amount of wins as the Falcons, I think. Yes. That's sad. Wow. That's sad. Because the Jeez. Falcons have two wins, I think. Maybe. <laughs> it feels like it. Yeah. Wor- so Worst team to be in the hunt of all the teams that are in the hunt right now. I take the Falcons over the Raiders. Oh, I, I, I guess oh, I, I didn't oh. consider the Raiders in the hunt. I forgot yeah, they were still. I yeah, forgot they were still out there. We'll get to that yeah, game later too, because that that <laughs> apparently happened. 
<laughs> yes. Uh, any, anything else on uh, this game? I mean, all I have is that really the Rams out there in the lead in the NFC West, and they're kind of controlling it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Justin Jefferson broke the uh, OBJ's record, I think, in the first two mm-hmm. seasons, right, or something like that, and apparently bought himself yep. like a $200,000 grill that he uh, wore after the game. So congrats to him, I guess. What? What the fuck's wrong with these guys? It was something like that. I saw it on Twitter. It was some ridiculous amount of money to be spending on fake teeth. Grand. I don't know what it was. Fuck. It could have been like fifty grand. Either way, it's way too much money for my taste. Anyway, wow. I mean, is it? You're like fifty grand, two hundred grand. It's all the same. <laughs> I mean, having that kind of disposable income, like, is that what you guys want me to spend my disposable income on? I can have a grill on camera right now, and you can see me sitting out here with yeah, big old, just... you know, diamond teeth. I mean, again, Jackson State head coach Brian Kelly is going to have one. You might as well uh, get one too. Yes. <laughs> my family with a grill in my my mouth. Yeah. Uh, hey, Khalif, yeah. next game: Jags twenty-one, Jets twenty-six. Oh man, uh, I was on the edge of my seat with that one and that last run by by Trevor Lawrence. I was like, "Yeah, here we go. We're gonna we're gonna give up a touchdown right here." But um, pulled it out. Uh, I mean, the season is what I thought the season was going to be. I mean, as far as the win, the windfall, but um, that team, we, we need some serious overhaul. Like, we need some serious overhaul. Like, we need some things to be done. Don't uh, don't you want to mention like Zach Wilson's crazy run? I mean, his his stats were amazing. He he. His, okay, his, let's not get carried away. No, no, no. For for him, for him, for for him to run for what ninety two yards or whatever it was. His stats were amazing for me. They were not, he was 14 of 22 for 102 yards. yards. Yeah. One I mean, that wasn't, the, the amazing thing is he threw no interceptions. That's true, too. Yeah. That's true, too. And he, he when he ran in for that touchdown, you could see the elation on his face that, yeah, I mean, he, he, he's trying to say to the guys, hey, I could still be the guy here. But we all know that's not that's not the that's not, not going to happen. I don't. I don't think we all know that. I think I think that there's that he's still he's still got a shot. He's an underdog. They need if they get a veteran. If we get a veteran in there, if we get some somebody on the waiver wire or whatever, um, he needs an understudy. I mean, I'm sorry. He needs he needs a, he needs a veteran in that locker room to his credit um, because. It, he has nobody like you said no one's looking over he's been looking over his shoulder for anybody to say oh this guy take my spot well listen mike glennon just got to move from one locker room to the other he's already in the building so well i was gonna say wait a minute didn't they throw out uh josh jackson who's like a billion years old and didn't they throw out joe flacco i mean you talk about veterans i mean they they have all of them basically so i don't know what zach wilson's uh, well, looking for so, Fla- so they don't Flacco got there late <laughs> go ahead they don't have Josh Johnson anymore. We will get to that. Yeah, uh, that's he what I thought. Yeah, he did, but uh, but yeah, uh, and of course, and of course, they've got the preeminent veteran, White Mike. That's right. You know, so whose feet are know, sitting but, outside uh, of MetLife right now? Yes. So you know, it was a good win for the Jets against a hapless Jags team. I really wanted the Jags to win so the Lions could retake uh, the first the first overall pick. So sorry, Cleve, I was rooting. I was rooting against you. But um, you know, the athleticism that Zach Wilson showed in that long run. We always talk about how quarterbacks that could run can sort of make up for some more less than play in certain mm-hmm. games. And he's got that ability. So if we do get a really decent sophomore leap from him, maybe add another weapon, you get Elijah Moore back for a full season. Even Mekhi Becton back, he's been out like all year again too. I, I can see Zach Wilson staking a claim to be the man next year. He won't be the man next year, but I can see a year from now, next New Year's, we're like, okay, the Jets won their 6-11, and, and they beat the Patriots once. 
and Zach Wilson looked way better, and now you're excited for year three. I can see that in the range of outcomes. The talk, so you know, on on Instagram, I'm in a couple of these Jets um pay on these Jets pages, uh, fan oh, pages. My and, condolences. And the t- <laughs> and the talk is that 2020 by 2020. I'm sorry, next season, end of next season, he's gone. Like we're gonna try to see what we can get for him, and he's gone. Like no one, we don't want him in New York. It's just. It's kind of like the consensus. Like they just don't think that, like he was worth what happened. Um, I still try to because I listen to you guys and, and you guys always kind of talk reason to me. The fact that his situation is a little unique from the other guys um, that came out. Um, the coach was a rookie. I mean, it, it's just a lot of things. There's no rookie. I'm sorry. There's no veteran presence in that in that quarterback room with him. Um, he came from a you know a conference that wasn't like world beaters and stuff like that. So I would say give him another year. But the way New York is, whether they're winning or not, the the way that fan base is for the Giants and the Jets, they want out. And you know I know we're going to get to the Giants at some point. It's the same thing in those Giants rooms and and my Giants friends that they're like, no, we don't want they don't they don't even want Saquon. It's crazy. But yeah, I, you don't want Saquon. You don't have to pay him. Yeah, they 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 turned they turned on that kid so. I mean, those you know people are human beings, and sometimes people say harsh things, and I'm like, I don't know if they're saying it for some keyboard type warrior shit, but they say some mean thing. I'm like, man, like it's it's a it's a you're a fucking fan, like all right, you're a fucking fan, so let it go. You know, it's not ruining your life unless you're betting you know everything you own on these games. But I'm like, you know. This guy made it to the NFL. Whether he you, you think he's great or not, you liked him when when the pick came in. Guys went nuts for him. Hang on, Matt. One second, Cleve. I know you're a Jets fan. Are you a fan of all the New York area? Like, are you a Knicks fan or do Mm-mm. you have like a different basketball? No, nah, yeah, it's just um, for basketball. I've never had a team per se. Just like like guys in the league. Okay. Football is the only sport that I actually okay. have a team. Yeah. So you're not. So you're not a New York sports fan. You're a no. Jets fan. Okay. Yeah. So, because I want to be careful before I say this, and I don't want to, because it's like the largest city and, in the country or whatever. And, and before you say it, the majority, just for demographic purposes, because this is where you're going to land on this, Long Island is where the Jets, <laughs> where the Jets fans come oh, yeah, from, yeah. and New Jersey. Yes, there's yeah, not yeah. really New Yorkers as Jets fans. <laughs> yes, uh, whatever. For people not from New York, we don't give a shit. Um, uh, here's the thing: New York sports fans are morons, like by and large. When you, I'm speaking very generally, but they're like the opposite of like St. Louis fans, New York sports fans, like they have no idea. If you've listened to any idea from like sports fans of the Knicks about how to rebuild the Knicks, that's always wrong. Like the one move that they absolutely hated was Porzingis and he was okay. Um, Mets fans, literally no idea. Yankees fans, I could bring Matt in for that. Uh, it, It just... I've never really been super impressed by like an all around, all encompassing New York sports fan besides like one. And he's a Michigan fan. So that's probably where he gets where he gets all the good takes from. Like, I just don't by and large, I just don't really rate what the fan base of New York teams have to say. They're like, oh, we should get rid of Zach Wilson next year. It doesn't even doesn't even phase me. I just, I don't. Yeah. If it was Packers fans, I'd be like, okay, I know what they're doing. Right. But even Cowboys fans, but not, not New York. See the way I say this. And, and this is anyone, anyone listening from, from Jets nation will understand this. 
the Jets, it's like how the Nets were. The Nets before they moved to Brooklyn, obviously. It's like the Jets aren't necessarily a part of the New York fan base because only Long Islanders are like from New York or hardcore Jet fans. Wait, and the wait. games you see long you see more Long Islanders as Jets fans and New Jersey people because the Meadowlands is in New Jersey. But when you look at when you look at um we weren't like we weren't elated or happy for the Giants winning Super Bowl. Like you would think that it's a it's a demographic thing. Like if it was like in New England, the all the Boston teams would say, Hey, congratulations to you know our one of our, our you know brethren in the in the region that won. Like no Jets fan was happy for the Giants fans. Like we weren't like, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, good for them that they won because they treat the Jets like shit. Giants fans treat the Jets fans like shit. Like they're we're up there, they're like little brother that they just want to kick in the stomach every time mom's back is turned. You know what I'm saying? So New York, New York doesn't really include the Jets as part of their fandom. Here's the thing, and I cannot stress this enough. To people not from New York, there is no difference between Long Island, Brooklyn, and Newark, New Jersey. It's it's Westchester County. It's all the same. They it's don't even look at Staten Island as New York. Like they it, look, it that's, that's it, like their it's, fifth it's all New York. or whatever. It, it's all <laughs> New York. Demographically, New York, yes. Demographically, New yes. New York City goes basically from Yonkers to Atlantic City and then over to the ocean. They that is that is New York City from everybody they, else. For, on a map, on a map, you're right. But when you come to that region, I am letting you know. I'm letting you know, like they don't look at it like that. I am I am for certain. I am for certain. And we can get someone on this show, <laughs> whatever you want to do. Um it it's it's like that. My one of my my um my daughter's uncle is a um Giants fan, he lives in Philadelphia. He's been living in Philadelphia like for the last 15, 16 years or whatever. Hardcore giant he flies the colors, like he's he doesn't care. He's a, he's a cop. And he talks about he, he talks about the the amount of hate that he gets being in Philly. But if a Jets fan's out there, they don't even acknowledge him in the bar. Like, like fuck that guy. Who is that guy? You know, and Philadelphia is in the Northeast. Like it's part of Pennsylvania, New um New York and New Jersey. It's what they call the tri-state. Like here they call it like the, the DMV. I'm telling you that geographically <laughs> They don't include the Jets like that. I'm telling you that. That's the, it's it's why we're not happy like happy for for stuff. Oh, I'm not disagreeing with you that in, within New York, that's not how it's considered. I'm just saying that when it comes to me forming my take about New York sports. Oh, yeah, fans, yeah, yeah, yeah. You lump it all together. The Jets are in there. Like yeah. it's all. It's yeah, yeah, all yeah. The which, same. It, which it should be. It should be. Is is what I'm saying. I, that's what I'm advocating. That we should be a part of that. But if we want a Super Bowl, <laughs> I'm telling you, no one would be happy for the Jets. But Jets fans. So in in this uh, in this little uh, tangent here, we've mentioned the Giants and the city of Philadelphia, which does bring us to the next game. Nice. The Giants ten at the Eagles thirty four. Um, I mean, yeah. So the Eagles win. The Eagles actually right now are currently at a sixty eight percent chance to make the playoffs. They are they're holding the seven seed. But if they beat Washington this week and lose to Dallas in the final week, they will still be at an 83% chance. So basically beat Washington and the Eagles are probably into the playoffs, which is not something I thought would be saying, you know, even six weeks ago. Didn't you bet the or you asked us to make sure you didn't bet the Eagles to make the playoffs. Is that correct? 
No, I asked you to make sure I didn't start touting them to win the Super Bowl next year after ah. their three top five picks. By the way, those picks belong to them, the Colts, and the Dolphins. So those picks were top five. Now they're like 19, 20, 23 because all three of those teams are on fire and uh, have a chance to, to make the playoffs here. There has been more oomph given to the reports that Joe Judge is going to return next year. Adam Schefter is now reporting that. So, damn, they just they just really want to take uh... – <laughs> Man, well, talk about job security, bro. Holy while, shit! While you guys went off on your New York tangent, I uh, made sure to go to our podcast metrics and look up how many New York listeners we were never going to have again on this show. And uh, now that we have doubled down on the Jets and the Giants, now uh, thank you, New York, for all of your patronage. Up until Dave said you're all morons, and uh, here we are. <laughs> and speaking of morons, Joe Judge is a moron. Because the report that Adam Schefter made, and maybe maybe Joe Judge isn't a moron. Maybe that's maybe that's too harsh. He exhibits the behavior of a moron. How's that? Is that a little bit less harsh yeah. for you? Uh, yeah, it's a little bit more PC. Okay, there you go. And what the Giants want is to have him show his, showcase his wares for one more season with Danny Dimes. And what I'd like to know, fellas, after, after watching this pa- this this week, you know, this past week and the weeks prior, and everything that we've seen from them. Freddie Kitchens, Jason Garrett, it doesn't matter. Do we feel like we've seen enough? Like, what do the Giants really need to see from Joe Judge that hasn't already been seen? I'm genuinely asking that question. Competent coaching. Joe Judge is mobbed up. Well, are <laughs> he's they, mobbed up. Are they waiting for him to just turn into something that he's very clearly not? I mean, they spent a lot of money in free agency this year. Dave, you were very bullish on the free agent you know, moves that they made. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yet, it didn't matter. The team stinks, and a lot they of it comes down to coaching. With that quarterback. Well, that's so, Cleve. That's where my point. I was bullish on the moves they made because they the free agency moves put Joe Judge and Danny Dimes in the best position to demonstrate that they are competent and capable of getting this done. So, the continued failure of Joe Judge and Danny Dimes after those moves doesn't speak to the moves; it speaks to the two of them. That's what I mean. That they are just they are just not going to cut it. That's what I mean. It's like they made all those moves; we were bullish on them, and yet we still have abject failure. So, what do you think you're going to get again? It's like uh, a friend of mine used to say: if you do always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you always got. And nice. I'm pretty sure that's Joe Judge. I think it's Jay Z. <laughs> I like. What so if we could if we could equate bad quarterback years into dog years, how many years having Danny Dimes one more time sets them back in dog years? It's that's insane that that tandem can stay together. So if Dave, it was like okay, we're gonna get rid of the quarterback, keep the coach. You know, Dave's argument kind of works there, right? But the like you said, seeing the sample, <laughs> the more sample size, you're like, we're really gonna do this again. Yeah, but here's a better question. What pick set them back more, Danny Dimes or Saquon Barkley? Saquon. See, yeah, I, I knew Saquon. Dave was going to say that, but I think it's the right yeah. call because they took yeah. a chance with – they overdrafted Danny Dimes, but you take a quarterback. So they took a chance on the wrong guy. With Saquon, they just took the complete wrong position. As we've seen with Sean McVay throwing Sony, throwing Sony Michelle out there, who we hadn't seen all season long, and he ran for like a buck fifty. Has he played? Has he played a season? Are we on the Giants already or no? Yeah, yes. we are. Okay. Has has he played a season, a full season, uh, Saquon? Once, I think, or most of, you know, I consider like with 17 games, so he played 14 games since a full season, especially full season. Was his rookie year, he didn't get hurt in his rookie year, did he? 
I don't think so. Okay. Or if he did, it was like a game or two. That so, might have been yeah. the only one. I think the next year he tore his ACL. Yeah, and then from there it's just been it's been one thing. I mean, and it could be dumb luck, but it's just, I mean, he he couldn't have proved Dave's point to me so 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 bad because I you know I, I'm a running back guy. I def, I defend that, but the train has left the station on that stuff, man. It's like you could get a like you said you can get a guy tonight at Target and <laughs> and you're good. And <laughs> and I've seen people try to say that McCaffrey is kind of the same boat, but like Saquon has produced nothing basically when he's been out there. But McCaffrey, even though he's been hurt, has been explosive the entire time he's been out there. Like he's team changing, he's game changing. I don't yes. find Saquon Barkley to be game changing whatsoever. I mean, they had that win a couple weeks ago when he was like 16 carries for 40 yards out of the number three or two or whatever the Damn. fuck he was. It doesn't matter where he got picked. It doesn't matter where he got picked. He was picked way too high for 40 yards. The fullback <laughs> so, Zeke is running for more yards than that. <laughs> uh, so is the fullback Devontae Booker on the Giants. Hey, um, yeah. so I can so I can read between the lines at what Matt was hinting at here hinting that I offended all the New York listeners. And let me just say, uh, I'm never backtracking. In fact, I'm going to double down. Oh, you all, you all know oh. you're over-emotional. You don't think things through, and you fly off at the mouth. It's a it's a classic New York fan base thing. Don't start getting mad at me because I'm pointing it out. Boston fans are entitled, arrogant jackasses. We all know it. They get mad at any year. They don't win a Super Bowl or don't win the Stanley Cup or whatever. We all know that. Lions fans don't really have an identity because we never win shit. Right. Like we all know that. So like that's not start acting like New York, like you don't know what I'm saying. And like it's not true. You guys know you get emotionally fly off the handle. The Knicks still suck. Spoiler, the Nets also still suck. They're not gonna win <laughs> shit either. We're like forty seven <laughs> Hall of Famers. Right. Like it's just it's just how it goes. It's just how it goes there. That's that's all that's all there is to it. Like don't get don't be getting mad at me for just for just pointing it out. Like y'all y'all know it's true. I mean yeah, my- No, you you're right. You're right. He's right, but my email just dinged, and it looks like it says Lucille on it. So I think Lucille's ha- haunting around Dave's locker a little bit right now. So you want to be a little careful, big this, guy. See her after the show, yeah, buddy. That's right. Good luck. Uh, Lucille does exist here at Maddie Ice Media, so. <laughs> I love that. All right. The, uh, the next game we have here, we have the actual real New York team, the Buffalo Bills. At the New England Patriots 21. Now, obviously, I want to turn this over to Matt as our resident Patriots uh, fan so he can be angry they're not going to the Super Bowl this year. But first, Cleve, it is perfectly okay for us to have differing opinions and for us to fire off awful takes at each other. It's uh-huh. part of the fun. Your take that Josh Allen is not worth the money is just flatly incorrect. <laughs> that is that is almost as bad as the DK Metcalf take. <laughs> I mean Jesus, the DK Metcalf take for 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 all for all time. It wasn't how you made it. I think you're glorifying that a little bit. Okay. It's a little you embellished. Said, you said Josh Allen was not worth the money. He just I did went, I did say that. I he, I'm, and I'm not going to back I'm not going to back off that. I he just that. went he just went to uh where do they play Gillette Stadium now? He just went to Foxborough. Yes. 30 of 47, 314 yards, three touchdowns, no picks, 12 carries, 64 yards in the biggest must have it win game of the year. He dominated the Patriots in this game, which is exactly what they're paying him to do. Cleve, I don't know. I don't know how else to put it, man. Like he's got, he's got bad games sometimes. So does, I mean, Tom Brady yeah, lost nine to nothing. He, he's Josh Allen is it like he's, he's that dude and he's worth that money. Yep. I want to see him do it in the playoffs. 
Oh, well, you're going to get that chance. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see him. Hey, Mag, I hope you sound like that. I want you to, with, with the new mic and all. We can, playoffs. we can we can sound we, we can sound off uh, everything here but uh breaking down the game a little bit patriots defense couldn't get off the field on third down the bills killed them on third down a couple of really critical third and longs and they they had a chance to come back and win the game but not being able to keep them off the field on third down really really killed them i mean at least mac jones threw a couple of interceptions again and he's looked, you know, more rookie as rookie esque the last two games. The defense, everybody says that they've been struggling. They struggle to keep the Bills off third down, but the Bills played very motivated, and I think the Bills were very motivated after basically beating the Bucks. They should have beaten the Bucks in that game, and this game would have been a lot different had they beaten the Bucks. But anyway, you know, the Patriots, I think, are they went on a seven game heater. Like, there's only one other team in the league, or two other teams now, who have gone on a winning streak like that so they had a great season i think they're still overplaying their hand but definitely looking vulnerable heading into the playoffs if they still make it i mean dave i did say last week that if if the chargers i mean the colts were going to make it what team was gonna have to step out and i said the patriots could it be but i mean they, they have the jags next week so that is not ad, that's yeah, advantageous for a lot of the other teams but I, i'm I not don't, I, I don't think the patriots can fall out uh, easily, I'm about to, I'm about to test it's, it though. Exactly, I'm 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 and I'm in Dave's camp on that. Though I don't count I don't count Bill Belichick out at no, all. No, I don't think so either. But again, my expectations headed into this season and my prediction for them was if everything went right, they'd win ten games, and they very mm-hmm. may very well win ten games. And if they make the playoffs at ten and seven, and they lose the first game, I'm totally fine with it because they have a rookie quarterback two years removed from Brady being there and Brady winning a Super Bowl last year and then being right back to 10 wins and making the playoffs after a 7-9 and season with Cam, I think it's just yeah. fine. I'm not one of those fans yeah. who's disappointed I mean, when they don't win the Super Bowl. I mean, talk to a guy that got four fucking wins here. So, you know, you ain't got to sell me. Yeah, so no, I, I just I just ran the numbers on 538. The Patriots are currently at a 94% chance to make the playoffs. Yeah. If they lose to the Jags and the Dolphins, they fall to sixteen percent, right. which is still a pretty decent percent given that given, given that situation. That. If they beat the Jags, they're at ninety eight percent. If they beat the Dolphins, they're at a hundred percent, even with the loss of the Jags. Yeah. So, so they're they're basically one more win, and it's a lock. But they're probably they're probably locked. Uh, anyhow, given that one of their opponents is is the Jag. So I'm still counting on the Patriots making it. Now, my question here, Cleve, wide receiver for Buffalo had 11 catches for 125 yards and one touchdown. Who was it? Stephon Diggs. Isaiah McKenzie. That's right. It wasn't Stephon? No. No. It was Isaiah McKenzie. So this really stuck out to me. Isaiah McKenzie is five foot seven, maybe 150 pounds. Uh, Went to Georgia. (laughs) Great athlete. Not very big. The Patriots don't normally get beat by dust balls. Normally, if you beat the Patriots, it's your star stepping up and doing it. You can make the argument that Josh Allen did that in this game. Yeah. But no Gabe Davis, no Cole Beasley uh, because of COVID. And Isaiah McKenzie comes in 11, 125, and one. And it was just kind of shocking to see a dust ball doing this to a Belichick defense. What digs have? 785 and one. Yeah. Mm. He had a good game. This was Josh Allen taking the team on his back and doing yeah. what they paid him to do. 
I mean, he was right. There was a third down conversion that he made where he yeah, rushed for that it. Run and was, yeah, that run was ridiculous. There was motivation behind that run. Josh Allen was playing like as if he's listened to the last four or five weeks of Cleve telling him he's a big piece of shit. And, um, <laughs> oh, 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 you're a bust just like DK Metcalf, Josh Allen. <laughs> That's right. Bust. Yeah. We're putting words into Cleve's mouth, which is exactly what we need to do here because. Uh, well, it's better than what Josh Allen's putting in it. That's that's a good point. <laughs> Either way, Bills are trending upward, Patriots are trending downward, but there's still two weeks to go, so we will see what happens. Uh, don't want to skip over Damian Harris, 18 carries, 103 yards, and three touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, and Ramondre, Har- Ramondre Stevenson didn't play, I don't believe, in this game. I think he, no, was, COVID. he was on COVID, yeah. I mean, again... They have they have a lot of talent. If they have all their players, I think they can win a game in the playoffs. They possibly could even win two. It depends on how Mac Jones does, right? If Mac Jones plays like a rookie, he's made a couple of really questionable throws the last couple weeks. But mm-hmm. it ha- it's going to happen. Every quarterback makes questionable throws. And he's on he's in the right position to win. We've seen what he can do. And he's playing better. Even Dave Cleave last week said that he was surprised when Mac Jones did that. So it tells you that he's played well above... Uh, I think what we thought the expectations would be for him this year. No, I, I mean I've said this to you offline a couple of times, and of of the rookies that came out, the quarterback crop, um, we didn't know if he had the the biggest ceiling, but he was in the best situation as far as the coaching. Like he had, he had a great a great offensive coordinator and a great head coach uh, that knows what knows when to play them versus like the Shanahan's and <laughs> and that stuff. So. For the most part, you know, you guys had a great season. I mean, I I yep. don't count you guys out. I'm in Dave's camp about that. Uh, they're gonna kick the shit out of the Jags, uh, yes. and they might and they might just catch Miami slipping because um, you never know. Trap game. This is win or go home stuff. By the way, did you see the reporter ask Bill Belichick a really stupid question after the game at the press conference? I don't know why reporters continue to do this to Bill Belichick, but he's coming off of a loss. He's he's ornery at his best. And you got then, hot mic? Uh, not even. He actually was so much better than he could have been, but some stupid reporter asked him if he had any New Year's resolutions, and he just, like, wow. paused for a few seconds and said, no, and then moved on. But, like, why are you asking Bill Belichick that question ever but then after a big loss, like, what do you think is going to happen? At least he didn't give her the stare down that he usually gives where he doesn't answer the question. He just was like, no. I mean, what a bad question. Well, I'm about to ask you a question that might get me the same response that Belichick gave that reporter. But um, uh, this isn't a question. It's just a statement. I think that the Patriots this year are a classic AFC South team. Yeah. Well, I, I, I've said that they're not pretty to watch. And they're not playing a brand of football that's like exciting in today's day and age. That they look more like the 2001 team, but that team wasn't exciting either. But the game of football wasn't clearly what it is now. Like the greatest show on turf was an outlier. Every other team is striving to be the greatest show on turf now. And so they're not sexy, but hey, they are better than I thought that they would be. Here's the thing though, Dave. The Titans have 10 wins, and they had Derrick Henry and A.J. Brown and the actual superstars that are sexy, and the Patriots have none of that. They're still throwing to Nelson Aguilar. Demir Bird might still be there. Who knows? Whatever. Is it Demir Bird in Chicago? Whatever. And, I, yeah, what's the guy? Uh, Jacoby Myers. That's the guy I always mix him up with. But Jacoby Myers, he didn't throw to Hunter Henry a lot in this game. So these aren't names that are like, whoa, Patriots got a lot of weapons here. They, they signed a hodgepodge, the the island of misfit toys, to try and figure out their offensive woes. 
because last year these were not all real people last year like i don't even remember no. who was on the team last year who the hell was the, the the tight end last year it was some guy from virginia tech i don't even remember his name dalton Keene, something like that oh yeah 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 that's right yeah i completely forgot I exactly forgot about him that's he, a good that's a good point exactly so I'm okay with them being an AFC South team this year. They can't be the Chiefs. They just do not have the weaponry to do it. In five years, though, if Mac Jones starts to look like Brady did in his fifth year, then we're talking. So going into this week, uh, we talked about, you know, needing to give Josh Allen his props, especially from Cleve for this game. And we also need to give some props to Joe Burrow. Ravens 21, Bengals 41. Cleve, do you know Burrow's stat line offhand? I just know the five twenty five. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know the um, the 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 throw to <laughs> completion. I just saw five twenty five, and they were still chucking it at that point. <laughs> it was like- so going into before this game, the defensive coordinator for the Ravens, Wink Martindale, um, uh, Wink Martindale said. I don't think that we should be fitting Joe Burrow for a yellow jacket just yet, which like, sure, nobody really thinks that. That's a pretty stupid fucking thing to say. <laughs> Joe Burrow comes out in response Torch. and says 37 of 46 for 525 yards, four touchdowns, no picks. This was one of the most impressive NFL quarterback performances I've ever seen in my life. You see this in college football a lot where a quarterback can be dominant and carry like four other players to fantasy relevance. Matt, you play fantasy. You know there are never four skill position players on the same team in the same game that do great, even if they're all really good players, right? They can't just all get there. In this game, Joe Mixon, 18 carries, 65 yards and a touchdown, six catches, 70 yards and a touchdown. Jamar Chase, seven catches for 125 yards. Tyler Boyd, three catches, 85 yards and a touchdown. And T. Higgins, 12 catches, 194 yards and two touchdowns. Yeah, that, I mean, what's his name? Wink? Wink Martindale. Martindale. Great name, by the way. Yeah, I think he had his fucking eyes shut when he was was on the sidelines. He wasn't winking on that. Yeah, that was... um, that was really impressive to to see. And he threw a touchdown to Boyd to go over 500 yards. And the announcers are like, oh, my God, blah, 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 blah. And they called it back. Called and he was back, like, well, yeah. like, well, that's okay, Joe. In our mind, you still got 500. And then he, boom, just came right back and did it anyways. Yeah. I mean, a couple of guys did. I mean, I remember, I think Warren Moon did it once, too. Uh, Warren Moon, I think Warren Moon had 525. Can we fact check that? I think he was it only the fourth over. quarterback ever to be over 500 yards. I think it was. Yeah, I know like Warren Moon's one of those guys. He probably uh, was. It, who knows? Did Daryl LaMonica do it for John Madden? Mm. That's a good question. We'll look that up. But uh, this is what I took away from the game. The Ravens got swept by the Bengals. I do not remember <laughs> the last time that that happened. Now, I'm going to say this. It's not necessarily fair to to say that and, and be so like absolute about it because... As, as yeah. Dave pointed out earlier, the Ravens trotted out their third string quarterback who played for the Jets earlier this season. So yes. they weren't really at full capacity. But man, the Bengals put on two 40 burgers against the Ravens defense this year. Like, I don't even think that's possible. And Burrow played with a chip on his shoulder. But the best thing ever was last week when Joe Burrow was asked about how the team has remained unsick. He said, well, with the Cincinnati nightlife isn't really that exciting. So it's easy for us to stay in. And I was like, man, 
Like, and he's not wrong about that. Anyway, so goodbye to all of our Cincinnati listeners. Anyhow, uh, but the Bengals now have the fast track to the AFC North title, which is is bonkers. Like, it's totally bonkers. Yes, they control their own destiny for the AFC North. Um, by the way, I think Skyline Chili uh, is actually pretty good. So welcome back, Cincinnati. I do too. Yeah, you've never had it, Cleef? No, I've never. I've never been to the Midwest. What really? No, I've, yeah, I've never. I've only. I've only. This is weird. Like, so I've been to, been down south. Further south, further south, I've been is obviously um, Florida, well Miami, but um, I've never been to, like Tennessee, Mississippi. I've never been in like any middle part of the state. I've been to California. That's pretty much the West Coast for me. I've never been like Oregon and stuff like that. So uh, I plan to go somewhere like that, well, hopefully, well, two, but never been there. Two pieces of advice: one, stay the fuck out of Mississippi. Two, <laughs> two, you gotta go to Chicago. No, no, I've been to Chicago. You know what? You're right. I've been to Chicago because okay. I used to work for a company who was headquartered okay. there, and I flew out there uh, once for a meeting or something like that. Yeah, Chicago's um, legit. I mean, fuck the Bears, yeah. but Chicago is a. I just don't. I just don't get the. Um, I ordered a, a deep dish pizza and did not eat it because I, I didn't know what I was looking. At. I was like, "What well, you're, is this you're, lasagna?" You're, 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 a, you're a New York guy. Yeah, I was, like, I was like, "Is this lasagna? What the fuck?" Like, they gave me like a knife and fork with. I was like, "What the fuck?" I was well, like, "Bro, I don't, I don't." We eat a slice. It's it's dripping with oil to clog your heart, and and, and yeah, that's it. I went and I went I went to New York. I got pizza. They handed me napkins with pepperoni on it. You know, it's, you know, it's it's, 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 it's what happens. You know, I wouldn't expect you to to be, but no, you are. Uh, yeah, so in Cincinnati, their signature dish is a plate of spaghetti with chili and cheese on top of it. Yes. And wow. it's kind of awkward, but it's also very good. And a lot of people don't like it, but I do like it. And so does Matt. So Cincinnati listeners, please stay. Well, their chili is very runny, so that's why it works. It almost kind of yeah. it almost kind of is works like, as like a meat sauce, so to speak, but it just doesn't yeah. have the tomato. So it doesn't yeah. have the coagulation of like a sloppy joe? it's 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 not it's more runny than the, that the beef is very finely ground like it's not a chunky mm-hmm. chili whatsoever and that's why they put it on oh, spaghetti wow. because it's almost essentially like if you made chili into a meat sauce for pasta and i think that's why it works it just doesn't have the flavor like you look at it and you say oh this is spaghetti and it's going to taste like spaghetti and meat sauce but then it tastes like chili with spaghetti because it's got that smokiness and that you make chili a lot different and then wow. brown it in cheese we, yeah. we have to do a show at the end of this year for the Super Bowl preview for if we could pick where the Super Bowl can be just based on the food in that region. That would be great. That would be interesting. Uh, Italy? <laughs> can we have the Super Bowl in Rome? <laughs> um, and uh, Warren Moon had 527, so he was just two yards ahead of Joe okay. in that game. And that was in 1990 against the the, uh, the Chiefs that he put up that kind of number, which would have which would have meant if I'm get, if I get my my years right, that was against a team that had Derek Thomas on it. Yes, yes, it would have been Derek wow. Thomas's like, second year, second year, yeah. eighty nine. He was drafted Crazy. Years, Barry. Um, Crazy. Also, Christian Okoye and Barry Word and Steve Barry Word. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> good stuff. Uh, so, just a couple notes on the Ravens here. So, the Ravens are in a lot of trouble. And I'll make the playoffs. They went for two to win the game twice, missed both of them. Very hard luck. They played this game without the top four running backs, top five defensive backs, and top two quarterbacks. So, I mean, they're really running the JV squad they out show, there. 
Did they ever show? And I might have missed this. Forgive me if I if I did. Did they ever show when what game Lamar got hurt in? Because I hear it's his ankle. Then I hear that he's sick. I don't even know what. Like, is he really legit ankle? His ankle? Yeah, spot? it's his ankle. It's was, his ankle. Wasn't that, it the okay. second Browns game? Was it the second Browns yes. game? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Remember, he, um, he was sick with gonorrhea or whatever it was that he had the first time, and then uh, <laughs> allegedly, he, yeah, he not want to get sued. <laughs> Yeah, I can pretty confidently say that one game he missed the series to go take a shit. But uh, I'm yes. not gonna just that's true. throw it around, throw it around G bombs on uh, that's uh, on Lamar. I'm oh, I'm pretty man. sure I'm pretty I'm pretty sure he comes from a family where, like his mom's on a first name basis with Jesus. So like we really can't yeah, just yeah. be saying yeah, that about let's Lamar. Not do here. that. <laughs> um, uh, I do want to give props to Josh Johnson though because he plays for the Jets earlier this year, plays well, comes over to the Ravens off the street. Those were 300 yards in this game, and I feel like this guy could probably pitch four shutout innings for the Yankees tomorrow if he needed to. Like this dude just shows up and plays well, no matter what's happening. You know how I was embarrassed to even ask you guys if that was the same fucking guy. <laughs> I was like, and I had to go. Like I literally, like I think it was yesterday or something. I went to like the thing. I'm like, oh shit, we got rid of this guy. <laughs> oh man, I was like, you 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 go help yourself out hey i mean he's a thousand years old so what does he got to lose you know uh and like very last note on this game i want to note it from mark andrews eight catches 125 yards and one touchdown uh the ravens have lost the last couple games but mark andrews is playing completely out of his mind i just want to make sure that he gets some recognition and the props he deserves for that because he is absolutely crushing it he's doing what cleve says he goes in the locker room don't look at me I did my job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, he's he's like he's getting his brute Fabergé out, and he's like, I'm good. Spraying himself down, like you're not talking to me, Coach. Josh Johnson in the locker room. Don't look at me. I did my job. People are like, Who are you? <laughs> what? What? Do you have a pass? How are you? Are you friends with Marquise Brown? How'd you get in here? Someone said a couple weeks ago that he played against. It might have been you, Dave. You said he played against like a like one of his contemporaries was like a quarterback who's been retired like for 15 fucking years now or something like that. Yeah, 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 I can't remember who it was, but he played against somebody who's been gone for forever. Like, I, that's insane. Like I, I feel like he started a game against Dave Craig or something. Yeah. Um, oh man! So the next game here, which was spent too much time on, even though it was shocking, we have the Chargers twenty nine at the Texans forty one. I'm going to repeat that. We have the Chargers twenty nine at the Texans forty one. My first note is what the fuck. My second note is like seriously, what the fuck, uh, Cleve. What running back for the Texans had 22 carries for 149 yards and two touchdowns in this game? Another former um, Patriot, by the way. Another former Patriot. Shit. Second hint, he's white. No, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold up. Not, uh, he also sounds like a tool that you go get out in the garage when you need something. Third hint, it's not Danny Woodhead. Yeah, I was going to, I'm like, there's no way he's still in the league. There's no, no There's no way he's still in the league. No, this is, this is sexy Rex Burkhead. Wow. Rex Burke had 22 for 149 and two against the Chargers. Uh, Davis Mills actually 21 and 27, 254 and two with no picks. They played pretty well. I mean, I yeah, they, I wouldn't they, hate having Davis Mills on my team. They had him on the uh, Pat McAfee show, I think, and he said um, they're asking him about like you know like his draft status and you know his you know his how does how is he adjusting to being in the league and he's like you know what when your number is up you got to go up there and, sh- and show what you got because you're auditioning for you know which everyone everyone always says you're auditioning for the other 32 teams about 31 teams that that is there but um i you know me my moniker is always hey i love a guy who can help himself pause you know yeah yeah and he's he's certainly doing that now for the chargers 
I can't even begin to break down what the hell happened in this game. Like, I don't, like, they didn't have Joey Bosa or Austin Eckler, but there's no way that not having them makes them 12 points worse than the Texans, right? They're the Chargers, bro. I said this, if you roll tape, That's Matt, true. I've said, they they have this weird, like, they'll go on a streak and then they'll just, like, fall off a cliff. You're like, what the, f-? like, have games like this where you, when you said that, I still have to remember that happened. Yeah. I'm like, that, that score is in an alternate universe for me. Holy the, shit. So the Chargers are now only 33% to make the playoffs. If they win their last two games, they're still only at 70%. They are well, they in got. a lot. Oh, that's a good question. They are in a lot of trouble, though, as we uh, wait for me to look this up here. Yeah. I have to scroll all the way down to find them now because they're, they're in so much trouble. Damn. They are home to Denver and at the Raiders. Uh, two winnable games and two yes. but two teams two that still games. feel like they have a chance by the way yes two and, teams that are still fighting for their own place yeah and, but yeah even if they win them both they're still only at 70 percent like they are behind the Ravens slash Bengals I mean if we if we remember from yesteryear this that's how Philip Philip Rivers had them like they they would be they would have like this run and it would just flame out a little bit and it it's just I don't know what it is about the Chargers. It, it, that's how they that's how they play, man. Like, that's like historic for them. Well, the Chargers not def- no not losing by twenty something points, but go ahead. Well, the Chargers defense I think was bottom five against the run, and then they took out Joey Bosa, and then you see what happened. So they couldn't get to Davis Mills. They couldn't stop Rex Burkhead, and there's just there's a recipe for disaster but, there. But even but so, who, but who the fucks on the, on the Texans? I couldn't name a receiver right now. Yeah, but Brandon Cooks. And, Brandon Cooks. Who? But, Brandon, oh, Cooks. Brandon Cooks. On? Yeah. Oh, shit. But oh, the other shit. thing, wasn't Mike Williams out for this game, too? I think big Mike Williams yes. is out for this game as, as, yes. as well. So Herbert did fine having basically nobody. Um, but it was the defense that let them down, to be honest with you. Not being able to to stop run it at all. Not being able to get him off the field on third down. And Davis Mills had a great game. So the defense, I said this a few weeks ago, but I and you said, that, you know, Dave, that like they got Joey Bosa. So, you know, as long as they have him and he can get to the quarterback and disrupt, they should be okay. You lose him, and then all of a sudden a defense that's in the bottom five against the run without any sort of guy who can get to the quarterback, it's a really vulnerable defense. And they're they're not going to be able to survive this if their defense can play this bad. Let me ask a weird question that might be off the cuff. So is like a, a talent like Bosa, is he, is he better against the run or the pass? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, as in both. Yeah, yeah. Like, he, so he's a disruptor. He's a he's a disruptor. Yeah. He 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 is a world class pass rusher for sure. But yeah. he's a stand up defensive end against the run too. He's just he's really difficult to so to, to game, play against. So did they did the Texans purposely game plan to just run the ball? Or, or so just so the thing or, is, or take the top off the defense. No, the thing is, everybody game plans to run against the Chargers. The right. Chargers will let you run the ball because it's inefficient. It is sharp to have the other team running and not throwing the ball. The problem is that they're supposed to, because the running's inefficient, you get behind the chains when you try to do it, mm-hmm. and then Joey Bosa comes for you. Right. So. That none of that could happen without Bosa there. And then they also could not stop them in the red zone. It's like yeah. Rex Burkhead ripped off a 70-yard run. They just kept matriculating all the way down the field and then scoring in the red zone. I mean, the Texans dominated this yeah. game on like a play-by-play basis. They didn't hit a couple big plays and, you know, hang on for the win. They they won this game in every aspect of the game. So what's, so now you could you could make an argument for the Raiders and who's the other team that's left? That Bron- they're Broncos. The Broncos. Broncos. Could could mimic the same game plan with better personnel yeah I, I, maybe yeah i 
but the thing is, the Chargers also, without having Eckler and Big Mike, were a little bit more limited on offense as well. I think it's just a perfect storm. Like, mm. we, we're arguing about which quarterback should lead the 49ers to a curb stop into the Texans, Jimmy G or Trey Lance. We're not like, oh, the Texans turned a corner because they beat the Chargers. Like, this game is definitely more about, it was just one of those weird you know, this is Lions Cardinals, Jags Bills. This is one of those weird where, like, it just worked out just right. But just like the Lions, I mean, the Lions beat the shit out of the Cardinals. Yeah. And the Texans did the same thing this week to the Chargers. The problem for the Chargers is that now they're pretty much out of chances. Yeah. Even if they win both games, it's still only 70%. Um, mm. The next game here, w- real quick one Bucks 32, Panthers 6. Uh, and. <laughs> <laughs> Antonio Brown, 10 catches, 101 yards. He stalls a ton of juice. Uh, the Panthers are going back to Sam Darnold this week in a desperate attempt to save uh, Matt Rule's job. Cleve was out ahead on this one. This dude is fired with a capital F. And, uh, I mean, in my opinion, and no, obviously you, that's Cleve's take. So you No, but see, you guys laid it up for me because you said when he got rid of his, his OC, he got exposed. Yeah, he got exposed. You know what I'm saying? And we, you know... I don't know. I mean, I, the book on Cam is, you know, Cam is had his day, but if he thinks trotting out, <laughs> trotting out, um, old, old Lego jaw, it's going to work. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know about that. I think he, I think they're, they're so done. It's, it's, it's insane. I hate to say this so about done. Cam because I know he's had to learn a new playbook, but if you just look at him as a quarterback, like making the throws, he just doesn't look like he has it anymore i think i think the tear the wear and tear on him man yeah and that's what i was trying to say about him at the beginning of the season like when bill belichick chose mac jones over over cam a lot of people thought that that was a shocking result but i think it was the right result i mean obviously hindsight is 2020 but just look at him making the throws he looked like he did last year really can't get behind the ball can't put any oomph on the ball i mean he's running and he looks okay when he runs but he just doesn't look like a quarterback that can sustain performance over the entirety of a season anymore. And I think you're right about the wear and tear. I've, I've you know, said this a lot about different quarterbacks in different situations, sometimes seriously, sometimes joking, sometimes to be demeaning. I honestly think Cam Newton should go be the face of the XFL. Mm. He probably well, could, think, yeah. I think it'd be great for him. I like he'd probably be the best player there. Certainly the most famous. He's got a couple of years left. The competition would be super stiff. Like, you know, I think showcases huge personality. Probably he could move directly from playing into the broadcast booth if he wanted, probably call XFL games. I think, you know, with The Rock owning the XFL, it's probably going to be a success. I mean, The Rock doesn't really screw up anything, right? Even his bad movies make money. Yep, so a lot of it, you know, I think that. It's something like that. It's probably a good move uh, for Cam at this point in his career. Three years, XFL win a title, XFL MVP, go do the talk show, talk show circuit, talk up the league, that sort of thing. I think that would actually be a good move for him. I, I mean, I agree with both of you on on for different reasons. Um, my in, in marrying that together, I think with Cam, his style of play, it finally caught up to him. Um, and I and I think this about Lamar too, and maybe Kyler at some point. That is gonna that when we look at um, and to Matt's point, take this back to the preseason when they when they chose Mac over over Cam. I think what people got up in arms about was was the reason or one of the reasons was that that um, Cam wasn't grasping the playbook 
as much or something like that. I remember hearing that and people were like, well, this is a, a quarterback that went to a Super Bowl and stuff like that. But you guys are right about schemes and, and um, learning a new playbook, learning a new system coming in in the middle of a season to play. Um, and he's a quarterback. He, he's not a, he's not like a brand new quarterback. Like He's been in the league for a while. And although he's had a couple of years to kind of like take it easy. But his style of play, even when we saw him play with the Patriots, he was running hard, taking hits and stuff like that. Like that is that is now I see why pundits say about that's that kind of play can't be sustained over a long time because eventually when you try to become a pocket passer at some point in your career, his shoulder is shot. We, he had shoulder surgery and that's when, you know, shit went wrong in Carolina the first time. So, you know, I think he's... I, I don't think his personality and his um, his ego can let him step down like that to the XFL, you know, because for some guys, they want to play in the NFL like they want to they people in the XFL want to come up. No one's one. No one wants to go down, but he's going to hurt. He's going to get the harsh reality at some point that, hey, um, you are not really better than 30, 31 other quarterbacks in the league. And it's for any athlete. That's like a hard pill to swallow. And I think it, he's getting to that point where he's realizing that he realized that when the Patriots let him go, that all the teams didn't come running for him, and especially his old coach. You know, because Washington could have used him. Cleve next year for the Jets, pick one: Jared Goff or Cam Newton. I mean, sadly, I, I would as long as I love Cam, I'm a big Cam guy. I would take Jared Goff, Davis Mills or Cam Newton. Again, with the wear and tear, man, I would have to take. I would have to take Mills, Zach Wilson or Cam Newton. That's almost not fair. Yeah, I, I'm taking Cam, bro. <laughs> right? But, but this, so this, this is the level where we're talking about where Cam's at. This is what I'm saying. Go to the XFL, be the face of the league. Just you know, on your team, team captain. All these other guys want to come up. You sort of take them under your wing, do all this, that, and the other, the whole thing. Like, I think it's a great fit for him. It's something he should really, he should really consider. Now, something that uh, other people should consider is being consistent in their takes about going for two to win the game. We have the Bears 25 at the Seahawks 24. And the Bears went for two to win the game, and they made it somehow. A miracle catch by Demir Bird. Uh, but I didn't hear any talking heads or Twitter eggs while the Bears should have kicked the extra point and played for overtime. It's almost like when they win the game by doing it, everybody agrees it's a good idea, and everybody shuts the fuck up about it. What's that about? Everybody's it's results the Monday driven. morning quarterback. It's because everybody's results driven. They want they want to play the result one hundred percent of the time. They this is this is me talking. They don't understand process versus result, and I'm going to fight that battle every single time. Is that if you make the right decision and it doesn't work out, it doesn't mean that the decision is wrong. But I love that people want to play the the odds here. It's like um, when a guy doesn't throw into the end zone, and I, I don't know if it was in this game or which game it was in, but when you looked, I think it was Jalen Hurts. When you looked in the end zone. The guy that they said he should have thrown to was co- double covered. Had he thrown that ball, they would have said, you got to throw that away. Everybody wants to play the result. And this mm-hmm. is one of those things. Oh, see, they went for two and it worked. Totally a great move. If they didn't make it, they'd have been like, these jackasses should have kicked the extra point. And to, <laughs> not to double down on what Dave was saying about New York fans, but just general fans, to be honest with you. And this is a tepid take, but most of them don't understand the nuances of what's actually happening because they just want to see the result that they want and the result that they want is it to work the play to work they don't actually know why they're calling the play they don't know what the the ins and outs of the plays are and they're not necessarily supposed to like you're a fan you watch the game 
we have spent time studying, we've spent time either playing, studying, or watching, whatever. And we understand it a little bit more. That's why we're doing this. And when we see it, we're like, that's the right move. But I wish, it, like last week, the Ravens went for two, and they missed, they they had a horrible play call. So two separate things. I like that they went for two. The play call sucked. And then they didn't execute. So there's like so many different factors here. But the Bears, who cares? Matt, Matt Nagy's this done. Is, this is what Madden would make very simple I know. to what you guys just said. This is what this is what if you if you if Madden was calling that game, he would have explained that way before that happened, or even Romo was calling that game. But you, fans you know, don't care about sport. that stuff though. They just want the result that they want. It's just like the mm-hmm. fans who are like, oh, he's got to play. He, you know, like uh, I saw a great take about bowl games where it's like, oh, our players, the ones that left early, they they let the team down, and I was like, dude, they're not playing for you. They're playing for themselves. <laughs> you fucking bowl game. Like, come on. You so, fucking, oh man. It's yeah. a goddamn bowl game. Goddamn cheese it bowl. Yeah. I gotta risk my future for the cheese it bowl. Yeah. yeah come on. Fuck? And I, I could I could win a, a month's supply of cheese its. Yeah. You risk you risk your career for a national championship, not a fucking Chick Fil A bowl. Seriously. Yeah. It's it's just dumb. And I just feel like most fans, most casual fans of teams, like I hate to say this about my dad, but my dad would be that guy. My dad would totally say, oh, they shouldn't have gone for two. They should have kicked the extra point because he's been watching football for like 78 years or whatever it is. And so he's been used to the extra point and he doesn't really understand process versus result here. And it's it's not an indictment of fans in general. It's just the way that fandom works. Unless you study the game and you have watched it for a real long time, you don't necessarily understand this. You just want to see the result. Right. Uh, uh, so speaking of the result, Pete Carroll lost a Muslim game at home to Nick Foles. So uh, seat open. Oh God. <sighs> yeah, I think I think I think um, I think well I, th- I, well, I think Russ is out and Pete's out. <laughs> he has to be out. Russ is yeah, not going to stand for this crap. Ciara is not going to stand for this crap. What are you kidding? I mean, I don't I, I don't take I don't buy into Russ going to the Giants unless one of you guys could sell me that. But um. He's, uh, he's not with, moving with from going, Pete Carroll to Joe Judge. He is no, just not yeah, doing that. Exactly. If if they were saying, "Hey, Joe Judge is out," I could see that being a possible landing spot. But yeah. so the Seahawks don't have any draft capital because they traded it all away to the Jets to get Jamal Adams. Yeah. Bears uh, give you uh, a first in Justin Fields for Russ. Do you take it? Mm. That's actually not a bad idea. Now, didn't we say it's not terrible? Didn't we say the Browns should also do something very similar to this to trade for Russ? Yeah, Yeah, they could. You said you said Justin and a first. Yeah, Uh for Russ. Yeah, that's not bad. That's not bad. No. Yeah, because that's really two first round picks, right? Because you got Fields. Technically, yeah. I mean, and and, and, and he hasn't fucking played, so he's like he's brand new out the box. And you've got wide receivers lined up and ready to go. Exactly. You got you've got weapons for for Justin Fields to use there. Certainly more than he has in Chicago. I'm just saying, teams are thinking a little outside the box here and trying to come up with stuff. So, um, another couple games here. I do want to go a little bit more quickly, just because we've been going a little long here. You have the Broncos 13 at the Raiders 17. I don't remember anything about this game. Nope. I, I'm not even convinced that this game happened or these are real teams. Like, I do <laughs> not remember a single play from this game. I went back and watched the YouTube highlights to remind myself that Hunter Renfro did have a nice touchdown catch. I then remembered watching that. I literally had no idea. The only note that I found is a, a something somebody said on Twitter. I didn't catch who it was. I apologize. But the Broncos wide receivers only have two touchdown catches since week six. Week six is the week before I went to Los Angeles. Yeah. 
Wow. By the way, Dave, that stat is not as shocking as the fact that there was a YouTube video of highlights of this game on on the internet. So that that's yeah, I was just, gonna you know, say, is there one of that? Like, wow. wow. I th- I- I think the NFL mandates it for for all games, even for these torturous <laughs> ones, these uh these deceptively AFC South, AFC West teams that we have that we have here. So, do you guys have any takes on this game at all? We can we can we can drive by. I didn't think so, so we know that happened. Uh, this game feels like she have a bunch of takes. I don't think it does, but let me know. The Steelers ten at the Chiefs thirty six. So, like, finally. Somebody exposed these just wrung out with their Steelers. I mean, just completely showed their entire ass. And I said last week, Matt, that if Kansas City came out and they looked like Kansas City in this game, we can start calling them the old Kansas City. We also talked about their lack of depth on offense. Well, Travis Kelsey didn't play, mm-hmm. and Tyreek Kill probably still had COVID and had like two catches. Yep. Allegedly, uh, and had two catches. The catches, not allegedly, the COVID. Um, and so they had no Kelsey, basically no Tyreek. They still up thirty six on the Steelers, right? The showing that they could score points even uh, even without that. The other thing is that COVID did take Tyreek out of this game. Mahomes said after the fact that he just wasn't himself because he's recovering from COVID. So if COVID nineteen can take out Tyreek Hill from playing in a game, you normal human being listening to this need to get vaccinated. Right, because if it puts Vicks, if it puts Tyreek Hill on the sideline, it'll put you on the ground. Go yeah. get vaccinated. Mm-hmm. I think my wife's quote is, is perfectly sums up, and we can move on from this game. But she said at the beginning when the game started, she said the Steelers have more wins than I thought for a team that sucks. I think that sums it up perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, the Steelers are ass. I was just so happy to finally somebody just. I mean, I'm, I mean, Ben Ben is admitting that he's this is his last Monday night game. Like this is, I'm yeah. sorry, last home game. So yeah, he he's probably he, he probably got a little seal at his locker room. This is hey, this is this is done. Did Did you I'm see done. what? I, did you see Miles Garrett's quote? They asked him about no. how he said he's going to do everything in his power to make it Ben's last game at Heinz Field. Wow. You know, that's a great quote and good trash talk. But since he attempted to murder a Steelers quarterback in the past on the field, I'm not sure that that's like the best PR move. But, yeah. Uh, but, but, uh, but didn't but I he, get it. didn't he allegedly defend himself against an alleged racist comment? So I think we're cool with that, aren't we? I don't know. Yeah. I don't want to relitigate this. <laughs> I don't want to relitigate this too much, but I, don't think that you should attempt to murder people for saying racist things to you. What if it was um, about his for, mom, though? Even still, I don't think you should attempt to murder people. Um, I think that's probably, you know, you know, it's just I'm not saying I'm not saying I'm like a full Dr. King. Violence is not the answer sort of thing. I mean, it's pretty much the way that I lean. But but, but like generally, if somebody's something stupid to you, you should not try to kill them with their own helmet, even if it did look kind of badass when it was happening. To be fair, their profession, his profession, is to essentially try and kill somebody else on the other yeah, side. So it, I think it's, it's all working itself out beautifully. Yeah. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I like if I'm if I'm outside if I'm in charge of the of the the gates to heaven. Like Miles is probably getting in before Mason. I'm just saying, you know. <laughs> Just you know, the, you know, trying to kill somebody with their own helmet is probably not okay. Like you cannot say anything to somebody to justify trying to kill them with their own helmet. Fine, you fine. You can do fine. something to them, but I don't think you should say it. Um, uh, team Miles, though, just to be just for the record. Yeah. Um, 
All right. The next game here, we got the football team 14 at the Cowboys 56. One more time. The football team 14 at the Cowboys 56. The Cowboys had 42 at halftime. Cleve, if you could name the leading rusher and the leading receiver for the Washington football team in this game, I will legit Venmo you $10 right now. Leading rusher? Fuck. And leading receiver. And leading. Nah, I have no chance at that. Leading rushers, Jarrett Patterson. Okay. Nine carries for 33 yards. Uh, <laughs> went to Buffalo. He's a rookie at Buffalo. Uh, he ran for like 900 yards in a game. And then leading receiver was Diami Brown. Two catches for 53 yards. Rookie out of wow. North Carolina. He's actually, he probably will be okay in a, like, a couple of years. We're like, oh yeah, Diami Brown. Blah, blah, blah. Like, we'll know who he mm-hmm. is. But we don't know yet is the point. So, two for 53. Diami Brown and Jarrett Patterson. You do not get $10. <laughs> Um, Dave, you should know that I started the Cowboys defense and Dak Prescott against my wife in this game. So her own team, her own team buried her. So that was 38 from Dak, 33 from the defense. So Debo, AJ Brown, Cowboys defense and Dak basically won the week for me. You know who you are in, in that league? You're like the professional shark guy and everyone else is just putting up a guy. And you're like, you're just like, okay. Let me tell you. I'll let, take them. let me tell you that the there's one team in the league that auto drafted. She went 14 and 0, then lost to my wife, and then lost in the first round of the playoffs. And admittedly, she told me that at one point during the season, she only knew one player's name on her team, <laughs> and that was Gronk. So <laughs> she had Jonathan Taylor, Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, and she didn't know who any of those guys were, but she knew who Gronk was. And she is out. Matty Ice is in. Wow. So I do uh, just want to say, it's, this is not typically a fantasy advice show, but Matt does like to talk about process over results. And you got a great result with Dak and the defense, both hitting ceilings. But that is bad process. Usually, if a defense hits their ceiling, it's because they score a touchdown, which then slows the game down and causes the team to want to run the ball more. So it is unlikely for a defense and quarterback to hit their ceiling in the same game. As we saw in this game, it can happen, but it doesn't happen that much. So generally, for the fantasy football players out there, you do not want your quarterback and your defense to be the same team. Oh, this was just Unless it's luck. this game specifically. Well, this was luck. The Cowboys defense I picked up because they've been getting a lot of sacks and turnovers, and so their ceilings weren't this, but they were a little bit above what the defense have been doing on the league average, so I was okay with it. I almost didn't start Dak in this game, and I was like kind of wishy-washy on it, but I ended up doing it anyway. But the better fantasy story is actually with the Miami Dolphins. Yes. Uh, Cleve, do you have anything about the football team scoring 14 points and losing by 42? I think that... <laughs> I think that, um, you know, what happened with Washington with losing Chase, Chase Young and the quarterback situation got, you know, not that they were going to have a whatever but a lot they had a lot of they had a lot to contend with this this year and um their defense got exposed for just being fraudulent so um if a if a defense can let you down in a big spot this was the game this they they got murdered out there they got torched bro yeah dallas i i hate to say it but dallas is for real and like if we simulate the season out from here a million times they're gonna win the super bowl like 15 percent of the time the cowboys are fully legit and could easily win the Super Bowl this year. And I really do hate to say it, um, you know, because, I mean, it's been a long time since they've won, so it's not that bad. But, like, they're the Cowboys, so I don't really want to see them win until everybody else has won. But they are they are for real, for real. I agree. 
Okay. Now, Matt alluded to this a second ago. We got the Dolphins 20 at the Saints 3. This is the last game of the week. So, last week, I said that Ian Book was trash in college and he'd be trash in this game because it was trash in college. Uh, we also talked about how the Miami defense was a sharp fantasy pickup. In this game, the Saints had 164 total yards. They were 0 for 12 on third down. They gave up eight sacks and threw a pick six or had a pick six. Mm-hmm. That they did. They didn't have Sean Payton for this game, right? They had COVID. They he, no, he, he was, was there. A, he was there. Yeah. Oh, Shit. they won the game. He wasn't there. Oh, okay. Hey, have I not have I not said about Sean Payton on this show that he's getting a lot of credit for winning a Super Bowl a very long time ago? The currency is fading. Is that what you're saying? I'm just saying that when you look at coaches like this, everybody talks about McCarthy being this bum coach. But Sean Payton, it last won a Super Bowl before Mike McCarthy. It's been a long time. And I think I even said, had that onside kick not work and Payton not thrown a pick six, I think Dave followed up with that one, that that Super Bowl might have gone a little bit differently. Yeah. I think that I actually think Sean Payton gets a lot of credit for some of the bad luck the Saints have had, like the non-pass interference call against the Rams. I mean, the Saints should have gone yeah, to the Super yeah, they Bowl. Should, they I know. Patriots Super Bowl. That year. I know. Yeah. Right. And so, like... In our minds, it could be like, oh, they got robbed. That was a Super Bowl caliber team. And he sort of like gets the credit for that without him actually like, you know, rain. <laughs> I know. So I think he gets to live off of that, off of that a little bit. I also think he's like a sharp offensive, uh, offensive mind, but like Kyle Shanahan, he might be too much in his own head. Yes. Thinking he's too smart with this Taysom Hill and book nonsense. Um, God, Ian book. That was the 24th straight loss for a Notre Dame quarterback. I think the last Notre Dame quarterback to win was Brady Quinn in 2012. Jesus. Yeah, bad. Notre Dame, yeah. not not quarterback you, just so you know. Didn't I tell you who was my guy I told you about? <laughs> we were throwing the ball we were throwing the ball offline. Wasn't Deshaun Kaiser, bad. was it? No, no, no. It was <laughs> damn. Blast from the past. It was um not, not that Rick not Meyer. that far away. Rick, Rick Myers. Myers. That yes, was the guy. Rick Meyer. <laughs> yeah, the number Rick two Meyer. overall pick behind Drew Bledsoe. That's correct. Um <laughs> so Cleve, this is actually very interesting because you're, you're not really anti-Dolphins. You're not even really anti-Tua. You just don't think he's that great, right? Yeah. Okay. The Dolphins are currently 32% to make the playoffs, which is not great. But believe it or not, they actually control their own destiny. If they win the next two games, they are a lock to make it. There is no situation in which they win the next two games that they do not make the playoffs. They are 100% in control of it themselves. I mean, they're the loser Patriots. If they win the next two games... And the Patriots lose the next two games. The Dolphins, uh, I'm sorry, uh, yes, or the I, if they win the next two games and the Bills lose the next Bills, two games, yes, the Bills have to lose. Yeah, the Dolphins will win the division. Yeah, all I'm saying is that the Dolphins can win the division, control their own path to the playoffs with two weeks to go in the season, which is not something we thought would be really possible at all after Jacoby Brissett, you know, sort of gave away to Tua coming back from injury or whatnot. We really do have to consider that Tua were healthy the entire year. The Dolphins are probably a lock already, and the Ravens and Chargers are probably absolutely dead. I, right? I think it had to happen this way. I honestly think that. and Because you know, you and I, Dave, we like to play this universal like, put a guy on his team and all that shit. <clears throat> I, think, I think the way it played out, and Flores should probably get a candidate for coach of the year. Because uh, they rattled off seven losses and then seven wins. <laughs> First team in NFL history to do that, I think. It's insane. I think, 
but yeah, uh, yeah i think yeah yeah, yeah that's a, that's a historical thing i mentioned a better fantasy story for me so in my other league I needed 43 points going into this game, and it's a PPR league, but it's basically the most basic PPR league you could ever imagine. So scoring 125 points is a lot of points. I needed 43 points from Jalen Waddle and the Dolphins defense. I got 50. I got 50. <laughs> Lock it up. So uh, process versus result. I have no idea whether the process was right. It just happened to work out, and I almost was the hottest team to lose in the first round of the playoffs, but I got by. That is actually a very smart process. Uh, I mean, you should play Jalen Waddle in PPR anyways. Like, I have, yeah. He's like the number 11 PPR wide receiver this year. I Sorry, have him on both teams. Head, so I played him against Mrs. Ice, too. She had a really rough week. But specifically in this case, when you're that far behind, Waddle and the Dolphins is smart because he's their punt returner. Yeah. So if he returns a punt for a touchdown, you get the touchdowns for both of them. Uh, not in so, this league. Are you serious? That's correct. Not in this. This is the most basically we just had PPR two years ago. So like scoring 60 points was like blitzing the other team. And just to give you an so idea. Why, that's, so why, that's, that's the so most absurd thing it? I've heard. I've heard on this podcast this season, more than the Lions will win seven games, more than Josh <laughs> Allen is a bust. That yeah. is absurd. I have lost uh, in this league before because they allow defenses to be so negative that it just absurdly blows up the league so like i've seen play people have like minus 12 points from a defense and lose because of that instead of just having it be like zero this is a weird Man. league that i and this is a weird <clears throat> league that i'm in however what's the, what's the buy-in for this one that'd be zero dollars because it's a family league and i'm actually not a family member i'm just a friend so i'm in this family league and some other family and i'm raping through their do, league do this you year. guys play for anything like do you guys play like a fucking championship belt or yeah. a trophy or yeah we got shit? yeah basically i mean we we have something, but either way, it's been happening for a while. We've had a lot of uh, people go out, but this year I have Herbert in this league. I have Jonathan Taylor in this league, and so it's been a great year. Waddle was a guy that I, I picked late and stashed him away, and he's been awesome. I've been starting him a lot. I had Mike Evans, but he was out this week, so I had to throw in uh, what's his name? I had to throw in uh, somebody else, but either way, the Jalen Waddle in defense, I woke up and I was like, oh, shit, I won. 50 points i'm like yes <laughs> so that that wraps up the uh uh the game review i know we're going a little bit longer this episode but we wanted to touch on some of that stuff at the at the start and of course we had every single team played because there's no more there's no more bye weeks i only have one other note that i want to make about the league in general right now and that is that in the nfc five teams have clinched a playoff spot in the afc only the chiefs Man. have technically clinched one now the titans bills colts and patriots are all over 90 percent but only the Chiefs have actually yeah. locked up a spot versus five teams in the NFC. And they clinched their division and, because the Chargers lost to the Texans. Yep. Yeah, they took a shit. <clears throat> yeah, so yeah. there will be no post game this week because we went a little bit long, but we had a lot of fun. However, my positive story comes out of something truly awful. So we mentioned bowl games earlier. Unfortunately, Virginia Tech kind of sort of ish showed up to the pinstripe bowl yesterday uh losing 54 to 10 to baby tua and the maryland terrapins who aren't exactly out there uh, beating the world up however there was a good story to be had there so the uniforms i told you guys the jerseys they had were vic era throwbacks and they looked mm -hmm. really really cool now a lot of people were confused because they had a new york yankees logo on the side of the helmet on one side and then they had the vt logo on the other and they thought it was just placating to the yankees because they're playing in the stadium however 
After the shooting in 2007, the Yankees made a trip to Blacksburg and played an exhibition game against the Virginia Tech baseball team as like a show of solidarity kind of a thing or whatever. And so this was kind of playing back to that, you know, Virginia Tech going to Yankee Stadium, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. remembering all of that stuff. And so that was a callback to that. So I thought it was really, really neat remembering that history because obviously that was a tough time for the campus then. And for a team like the New York Yankees, who we all you know see as pompous, unless you're a Yankees fan, you know we hate them and all that. That was a really cool gesture for a pro team in the middle of their season, by the way, because it was in April. So oh, the wow. season had just started to go play an exhibition game at a college team. It's not like the premier college team either. And by the way, Virginia Tech almost won that game. Uh, and A-Rod played in that game. Jeter played in that game. So, like, all the stars played. And it was just a really cool moment for the, you know, the, the baseball team, uh, the free admission to the game, stuff like that. And so the, the uniforms, the jerseys, the helmets specifically were a callback to that. So pretty cool stuff. And uh, the, the game was just absolutely shit. Man. Yeah, they, oh, God, it was bad. But this is what, what a friend <clears throat> of mine, I'd say a loose friend, uh, said about the uh, to the players that actually didn't give up on the team you played well and i'm like come on man like do you really <laughs> think that they give a crap about you like oh god I, I i love this take by by fans who are like they, they're playing for me they don't actually care about you like the players uh, that don't care so this is a bill maher joke and bill maher is funny exactly 32 percent of the time ah. but this one was hilarious so this is old, like this is like the Shaq Kobe era Lakers are winning, right? Because he's in Los Angeles, and he goes, "I hate when people say we won the game. We won the game. No, you didn't win anything. Fifteen black guys who would hate you if they knew you won. You didn't win anything. <laughs> so true. Uh, so that's like one of the four good Bill Maher jokes. But uh, yeah, it's the same. It's the same sort of um, thing here. Like the kids go to school to, for like their own professional development." If they're ready to go to the NFL, they're done with school. They don't need to do anything else. And to be perfectly honest, if Aiden Hutchinson was like, I'm not playing in the college football playoff. I'm about to be a multimillionaire. I'm yeah. about to go pro. I'd be like, well, damn, that kind of like that sucks for me. But no, you should definitely jeopardize your millions because it'll make me happy. Like that, that's that's ridiculous. You know, it's like the Pro Bowl, <clears throat> you know, guys. Oh. You know, when I was when I was, you know, I'm obviously a lot older than you guys, but like forever. But that really meant something back in the day. But now, like, who who even watches that shit? Nobody cares. But you know, these guys aren't even playing. But again, if a guy says, "Well, I made to the Pro Bowl. It's a free trip to wherever," um, when it was in Hawaii, but now I think it's stateside now. But it's like, it's like, yo, I just I just played 17 fucking weeks of football, right, or 16. And my body's tired. <laughs> I'm done. Yeah. I'm done. Yeah. You know, there's no, like, there's no extra, like, they don't even, I think it's like, what is it? Tw- they get $60,000 for that game. It's, it's some weird number. I think Mike and Mike said it one time. He's like, it's not like a, like, they don't even get like a big bonus. It's just like a one more week. You get like a trip out somewhere. Uh, you get to like talk to people, you know, your, your friends or whatever. But he was like, you know, making the team great, but who cares? By the way, one more positive thing. So the ESPN's Bears reporter, Jeff Dickerson, passed away mm-hmm. uh, this week, yeah. and that was really sad. However, they started a GoFundMe page for the 11-year-old kid, and in 
like a day or something like that, it surpassed $800,000. So there are still good people out there, even if the NFL is full of shit back human beings. Is, so, is the Bears matching any of that? I have no idea. Probably not. But uh, either way. So that is, uh, real quick, that is the 11-year-old. That is his second parent. He's lost Yeah, parent. Lost yeah exactly. That is, that is extremely rough. And, um, yeah, I just hope that kid, yeah. you know, I don't even know what that does to a person, but I just hope that it works out for him. And he's got other loving family and he's got almost the mill help him out college, whatever. So yeah. I'm, I'm rooting for him. Yeah. Whatever he I, is, whatever he does. I had a, um, I had a friend during COVID last year, lose her mother and father in the same week, like three, two or three days apart as she was, her mother was in the hospital, like on life support. Her dad had a massive heart attack stroke in front of her. One of those combinations. And then she couldn't even tell the mom. When the mom found out, then the mom passed. Like in the same fucking week. So yeah, I could that kid's probably going through it. He's eleven years old. Um I just wish the I well, again, I'm speculating. I hope the Bears are uh, is matching this in some kind of way or doing something as well. Because and he, he was forty four. The guy was a young guy. Put the yeah, kid on the ground crew or something. Yeah, something. Make him a ball by at Wrigley. Giants would give him a free medium soft drink. So uh, there's that. Anyway, (laughs) um, I'm glad we could end the year on a laugh. So this is the last episode of Political Football of 2021. Uh, We had a good year, fellas. We started the year off with the playoffs. I think we hit a little bit of a stride. Brought the show back around the draft time. We had a good draft show. And then this season, I think we've really hit our stride here. We're making improvements and all that. But 2021 was a tough year for a lot of people. And it was tough for the three of us in some kind of a way. I mean, you know, we've all had good things happen. I lost my mom, of course. You know, there's there's many things that have happened. But I think the first thing or the only thing that we need to say here is a big thank you to the listeners. Uh, first of all, Dave, your dad, uh, great guy. I've got a little bit of a line of communication going with, uh, with Mr. Roll. So... <laughs> Um, this, I call him a political football super fan, but uh, not just him, but all the fans that listen, no matter where you're from, even if you're from New York, um, we appreciate your patronage <laughs> and we will be back in the new year and we will be back heavier, harder and funner, if that's not even a word, uh, than ever. And we just hope that you stay with us and we appreciate everything that you've done for us this year. And I personally like to wish Dave Cleave and everybody listening the happiest and most prosperous New Year's. So, fellas, uh Good time this week, and I'll see you in the new year. Sounds good. Happy New Year. Goodbye, everybody. Peace. The opinions and viewpoints expressed on political football are those of Cleve, Dave, and Matty Ice, and not necessarily those of the Matty Ice Media Network. Political football is exclusively owned by Cleve, Dave, and Matty Ice and is brought to you by the Matty Ice Media Network.